Hello. How is everybody today? Are you speaking to us or the audience in general? Why are you chewing? Here's the thing about that, Sarah. Uh, I have this. Uh, this was dropped off at the front desk by a listener the other day. I gave you some of that black, black gum, which is caffeinated. Mm-hmm. So it was a package of two things. It was a package of black, black caffeinated gum and a package of no time gum, which I guess is some sort of gum that brushes your teeth. So uh, and here's the thing I've noticed about myself. I try to, uh, I mean, I try to exercise just general basic etiquette and manners most of the time. I don't know if it's like a holdover from childhood or if it's because I didn't really brush my teeth as a kid. But I've noticed that whenever I put gum in my mouth, I become a longshoreman. I mean, I, like I don't, I don't talk to people with my mouth full. I know which fork to use. I know how to use a napkin. But whenever I put gum in my mouth, suddenly I, it's like I just become a plumber from Long Island. And I start talking to people like this. And I start saying things like, uh, so i got to get to the store right now. So, uh, all right, in any event, all right, so it's, uh, it's Tuesday, so I'm brushing away germs as we speak. Uh, so I, you, have, uh, you have your choice today, sir. You have um, disturbing, uh, retro, or juvenile. What would you like to begin the show with? I'd say I'll go with juvenile. You're doing it too, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right, juvenile. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you today's juvenile show opening. So long as grass can survive, so can grazers. Wild ass. The males are fighting to win territories. Those that hold the best are more likely to attract a herd of females. It's a frisky business. That counts as a victory, but he can't assume the females will actually turn up. Female asses are mysterious creatures. They come and go as they please, and much of their behavior seems unfathomable to an outsider. They're the great nomads of the plateau, and will often trek vast distances across these parched plains in search of oases. But when they do find paradise, they are liable to feed and drink for just a few hours, and then head back to the dust for no apparent reason. Wild ass are the most conspicuous pioneers of this high frontier, but the most numerous grazer in Tibet lives underground. But that's the BBC version. So when they bring it over to America, they strip away David Attenborough, who really is a golden god himself, uh, and then they foist Sigourney Weaver on us. And don't get me wrong, I like Sigourney Weaver. Planet Earth is great, regardless of who's narrating it, but he, it, that really is the way it's meant to be heard. So there you go. David Attenborough, who I do believe, uh, I do believe he's related to Richard Attenborough, director of Gandhi, but I'm not entirely positive about that. It really it doesn't matter. It's all, it's also, he can say, wild ass. Three times. I forget who sent us. I'll have to look it up later. We had some listener uh, who hooked us up with that. Anyway, thank you, sir. All right. 
It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, it's 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. And this, the month of March of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I had to spit up my no-time gun because it's like it just removes any sort of sophistication or culture that I have. It's sort of like a, it's like a tact be gone. Uh, in any event, 503-733-2970. You want, you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If your comments, your questions, clarifications, your uh, conventions, your two cents, your whatever. 503-733-2970. You uh, want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T. At 970.am, uh, Richie is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along whatever observations ye might have uh, on this Tuesday. So, uh, good morning, hello, howdy, and welcome to Day 12. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today. Now I feel awkward and sad about it because I know she's sitting there in Washington, D.C. I swear to you, Lisa's one of the smartest people we know. I mean, has has political and political science knowledge enough to fill numerous libraries? Today is one of the most important primaries in, I would say, politics the last 50 years. I swear to you, they've got her sitting in Washington, D.C. in a small room talking about school lunches. So, anyway, we're going to be a little a beam of sunshine into her life today. So uh, we'll call her and talk to we'll call her. We'll talk to her about the uh, about the primary happening today. Uh, James Roop is in Los Angeles, finding out what celebrities think about today's uh, political campaigning and electing. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I don't think we have Steve Kastam on today, but we do have Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, who is joining us a day late, uh, but he will be uh, on the program later on today. Uh, let's see, Snuff Watch coming. It's a Snuff slash uh, Geek Watch. And I have to, we hadn't even started the program today. I don't know when the news came out that he had died, but I have to say just in the last, I would say, 15 minutes. I don't know. I got probably, I probably got 15, 20 emails about it uh, just just since 10:30. So uh, a sad passing today. So we have uh, Snuff slash Geek Watch uh, coming up later on. Uh, our good friend Chris Sneedon from On the Vig will be joining us later on to talk about uh, pop culture, politics, and whatnot. Uh, also, we have a top five today that Tim Riley will despise. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me... Wait, hold on a second. Let me... This is, this is meant to sound like a, like a multi-sided die. Here's a top five that Tim Riley will loathe. Uh, it is going to be... I don't even know if I want to give it away. I'm holding it right here in my hands. It's so tempting to reveal it now, just so Tim can anticipate slash dread this for the rest of the day. Nah, I'll give it away later. All right. Uh, so there you go. Snuff watch coming up today. Chris Neathan from On the Vig. Top five. Peter Carlin. Uh, will Hillary Clinton uh, experience glorious triumph or desperate shame? Uh, Lisa Desjardins. Jim Roop. Uh, we have DVD copies of Into the Wild that we're going to be giving away uh, this week. Uh, so we may or may not get to uh, one of those today. Plus a big uh, pile of news crap to get to your phone calls and more. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. Nike and Apple are working together to make the iPod compatible with gym equipment. Prostitutes return to Southeast 82nd to rousing applause. <laughs> An American Idol contestant was a male stripper in a previous life. <laughs> Hillary appears on The Daily Show to share some yucks. A five-year-old boy steals a car and rams it into a wall. 
a white Eugene woman who wrote a book claiming to be raised by black foster parents in the squalor of South Central L.A. amid gangs and drugs? Admit she made the whole thing up. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, I like to see things go badly for people. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. And uh, there we go. Join the day as are we always by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you today? Oh, hello. Hi. I forgot my password. That's okay. And so I can't get on the Internet, which is very... Oh, your CBS password? Are you sure it didn't just changed, expire? I changed it yesterday, and yeah. I cannot remember what I changed it to. Here's the thing about CBS is there are... I mean, I'm saying now off the top of my head, one... It's probably, maybe different for me, but it's I have one... And this is not like uh, like my all like my personal email or like Laura and I you know like our, our like our, our bank or anything. I'm just saying here at work here at CBS I have four different passwords and logins I have to remember. It's so confusing. Oh, and they I all change remember. every 90 days. I know. As soon as they change it, every 90 days, it's like all right, change it, and you can't have anything similar to what you've had before. So I can't find anything. So I have no idea what I changed my password to yesterday. And I'm here's trying the to thing, change it, and it won't let me do anything similar to what I did before. And here's the thing. if you uh, When you reach X number of failed attempts, it's just going to lock up and F you. So you have that waiting out there for you. Yay. I tried to log into something the other day uh, here at CBS. It was some, I don't know, I was trying to, like, trying to look at one of those. I don't mean to sound like I'm starting off the program by knocking the company, but... There, uh, what do you call it, an intranet or whatever that is? It's not like, a, it's you know, it's just stuff, it's like a, a website for just within the company. And I was trying to look up, like, something dumb, like vacation days or something. I was trying to look up some employee form, and I swear it is just like this unbelievable electronic thicket of websites you got to wend your way through. Tim and I have talked about this before, and it's just impossible to find anything. And, of course, it was all topped off by the fact that I could not remember my password. And everything is case sensitive. So, and you've only, I think, got... Uh, four attempts or something. Four attempts and, and then it freezes and on if, you. Yeah, and if you blow it four times in a row, then it's just, I'm sorry, your account is being deleted. All information is being destroyed. Talk to your IT supervisor. And, and so you're like, no, 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 no. And because everything is case sensitive, it's like you use up two guesses on each password because, uh, I'll just say, because the first letter of my password is, is, is a W. And so... But it's like you know, it's like 15 characters long. But it's the first password is W. But I, but because I can never remember if I, if it was capital or lowercase, so I try it both ways. That right there eats up two attempts, and then I've only got two more, and then I'm hosed. And it always happens on a Friday at 5:31 when the IT department is closed, which means that I can't see anything until Monday morning. Anyway, so have fun with that, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so Fantastic. much. Fantastic. I know. And now I had to make this random password where I'm never going to remember it. No, go, must be a combination of letters and numbers with an ampersand. Oh, it's like a combination of letters and numbers, and then something has to be capitalized and stuff. And then here's the thing, but if I can just continue this, this is what one of my old consultants would have called an everyday frustration. Here's the thing about passwords like that. So a. What you definitely want to do is write it down on a post-it note and then just uh, stick it to the bottom of your computer. What you want to do is just take your password and your login, too. Write login like Sarah Dillon or whatever. Password. Blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah. Write it in huge letters. Stick it on your computer monitor and then leave it there for everyone to see. And the reason I say that is because that's, uh, that's what a salesperson did a while back. And, man, you should have seen the riot act read to that woman by, by Brian Jones. Brian walked by, and it was, like, right there. It said in huge letters, my password, my login. And oh, it was, like, right, right, right there. And, man, it's like you could hear Brian yelling at her from three hemispheres over. It was deeply satisfying. Um, here's the other thing about that. And this is not just CBS. This is everywhere. 
you will have some incredibly weird uh, login and password. But then, of course, the security question, which they don't ever give you the option to change. Like, you can't pick your own security question. It's always like, what is your dog's name? Mm. So, in other words, they go through all the trouble of giving you some weird super string theory password. And, and then... The security question is something that, like, anybody who knows you would... Anybody who doesn't know you would probably know. In what city were you born? Information that is available to everybody. So, anyway. Uh-huh. No, I'm just saying, this is a thing that happens in offices. And it, and it does not help uh, matters that, as you noted earlier, every 90 days, CBS requires you to change your password, which you can... And you can't use anything you... So it's not like you can have five passwords that rotate around. Got to be a fresh one every time. You can't use anything remotely similar to any password you've had before. Exactly. And so what I do is, uh, so then I start, I I try to find a theme for all my passwords so that if if the worst comes to worst and I just forget it, I can at least make an educated guess. But, of course, that's exactly what they tell you not to do. Because then just some dick who's coming in and rifling through the trash in the evening is going to be able to get on and, like, you know, empty your 401K or something. So... Or your 201K, as it is right now. All right. Um, so anyway, how are you today? You're running a little late today. I know. I didn't. My alarm didn't go off, and so I woke up at 9:40. I'm like, crap. Sam. <laughs> I know. I was planning on riding my bike too, but I didn't wake up till 9:40, and so um, yeah. And, and it just f's you for the whole day. It does. I feel totally off kilter right now. F's you for the and whole I feel day. Lazy. Like you rode your bike again, and I didn't ride my bike again. Yeah, but. Really, let's. That's the great thing about not having ridden my bike since like 2002. Is the bar is set so low. I, I rode my bike for a second day, and Becca at KUFO was like, "Rick, I'm so proud of you. You're such a wonderful. Can I get you a muffin? What a great person you are!" And it's like for riding my bike two days in a row. The, the bar is just so unbelievably low for me to make people happy. This is what happens when you're a failure at almost everything all the time, even just the tiniest little bit of improvement, and people it, it just it, they think that you're wonderful. So, all right. Blah, da, da, blah, blah, da, da, blah. Let's see. Uh, what else? Um, anyway, so uh, you look fine. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look that fine. You look okay. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so what time? So it's 11.15, so we got uh, Lisa coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about uh, some other stuff here. And if you will break a little bit earlier uh, than we normally would. i got a great pile of stories to get to here. I will say this, although I did not watch uh, Dexter last night because I just ran out of time and I was trying to catch up on some other stuff. It's not. I didn't have Dexter dreams as such, but I will say that largely because we had that Dexter theme song playing throughout the top five, all the dreams I did have last night had that Dexter soundtrack in the background. So it's oh, like, yeah? It's like no matter what I was doing, what are you doing in the dream? Well, I'm eating pizza while riding a unicycle through Venice Beach. But in the background, there would be just that creepy Dexter music playing there. So it's, I mean, I really do love that show. But only four episodes into season two, I'm kind of looking forward to it being done just so I can, like, flush it out of my brain for a while. I have do, there only been two seasons? I think they are. I think they have finished season two, and I think now we're in the lag time between season two and three. I think we are now in the trough waiting for season three. So I'm trying to catch up on that. But I, it just, it just is the deepest kind of ick. You know what I mean? Just, it's, it, you just feel like it's sort of rusting your soul as a human being. So it's a great show, but I am. And it's funny about that program that I never realized how many people watched it until you and I started watching it. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I go, uh, people sort of collar me. Uh, and they're like, hey, I heard you watching Dexter. How effed up is that program? So it is a thing that a lot of people uh, watch, and I wasn't really familiar with it because it is sort of a cult program. Here's another thing you don't really realize. 
You don't really realize how many people are finally attuned to some of the discussions we have here until you get off the air. Every single person I passed in the hallway yesterday wanted to talk about text messaging. Everybody I walked by. And so many people sent me text messages yesterday. I sent you one, too. You sent me one. Yeah, Richie sent me one. Like a bunch of people. I just got a ton of them. Yeah, that's... And so I was, I was sitting in my office just trying to do whatever yesterday afternoon. Sitting in my... People would actually appear in my doorway and just sort of hover there for a while. And they go, hey, so I just, Dude, I just got to say this one thing about text messaging. So we really did hit some sort of a nerve with that. Here's another thing that I've heard two different people in two different parts of the building doing today. Ruminating openly about who they work with that would make a good serial killer. Interesting. And, and, and I have to tell you, some of the... Uh, some of the ob- and they're, they're much less shy about it than we are. Uh, I was back in the promotions office, and they were just talking out loud. They're like, yeah, that guy, he's totally got severed heads in his trunk. And you know what? I have to tell you this. It is interesting... We probably don't have time to talk about this a whole lot because we got a break here in a few, and and I got to uh, I got to talk about this uh, this thing my wife said last night. But I I always think it's very interesting when I go into music station areas and they're listening to us. Of course, well, no, you. I mean, not to be all about how great we are, but give music anyway. We're, we're fantastic because you walk around this building. It's interesting. You walk around this building and. You never have to carry a radio or anything with you because no matter where you go, you can hear this show and this station playing out of somebody's office. So, which is fun, which is great. You know, I'm, that's I'm, the way we want it. That's absolutely, and I'm very flattered by that. I listen to other, you know, I listen to uh, I listen to Court and Fatboy in the evening, so I, you know, I appreciate a little uh, little intra building support. Yeah. So it is interesting though that we really hit on something with that, and also how we have all somehow in our heads. We all kind of know what a serial killer acts like, which is strange. I mean, I don't know how it's not like any of us really know serial killers personally, or do we? Uh, because, as I'll just say it, as I was walking by Becca's desk today, she and Sarah Wagner were talking about people in the building who they think might be serial killers. And i got to tell you, the first person, the first name they spat out, I, am, I was on board with that right away. Was it one that we said yesterday? It's somebody you don't know because uh, they uh, they work upstairs. I'll just put it that way. Uh, I'm, I'm, you might be a serial killer. <laughs> you might. You might. <laughs> If you refer to your girlfriend as it, you might be a serial killer. <laughs> if you have a belt made out of salted noses, you might be a serial killer. But I, so I'm treading on thin ice here. So I'll just say it was somebody upstairs. But they both spat out a name. They're like, they're like, yeah, that person's totally a serial killer. And you know what? I was immediately in agreement with them. So that's a thing. And as I left, uh, as I left downstairs, I heard somebody else start to chime in in the conversation. So I think we've now started a, uh, we've started a new, a new place, to, a new bit of water cooler discussion. Um, let's see. Uh, I have a bunch of news to get here. That's all pretty great, but I don't think we have a lot of time. So I'll simply say this. Um, speaking of. I was talking about going online with the CBS sort of intranet and how you can look at your whatever your your, your paychecks or your pay stubs or your your your, your finances or your, your whatever. And so my wife, being the adult in the relationship, uh, my wife pays a lot more attention to things like the 401k and the, 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 all of, all of that stuff than I do. By the way, don't you think there ought to be a uh, don't you think there ought to be a David Lee Roth IRA? Oh, it's a, a David to get that. A David Lee Roth IRA. Yes, I do. Boopsy bop. Anyway, so my wife is like, well, so so what do you think about these investments that the IRA is or that the 401k is put into? And I'm doing that thing where I kind of go, 
Because, you know, we've talked about it. Sarah and I are really just stuck at 16 years old. My wife's like, so what do you think about how our 401k is divested or whatever, a word like that? And I'm doing that thing of going, yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's an upside to that and there's a downside. Like, I have no idea what she's talking about. She's like, well, what do you think about, you know, the fact that the, uh, the matching funds are put into one kind of fund and the, you know, our funds are going somewhere else? I said, well... I think you could see it either way, honey. She's totally bluffing my way through the conversation. But she apparently had looked at some breakout of, of into what funds the 401k was going. And there's this fund called, apparently it's run by two people, Mr. Cox and Mr. Dodge. It is the Dodge and Cox fund. Oh, I have Dodge and Cox also. <laughs> and so my wife said last night, she goes, no, no, no. Now, here's the thing. I really like Dodge and Cox. And I said, really? She said, yeah, Dodge and Cox is the way to go. That's really... And I don't think she was really aware of what was coming out of her mouth. And so I kept pushing her. I kept inquiring further. And uh, and I said, I said, really, is that... Uh, have you been a fan of Dodge and Cox for a long time? And she said, yeah, you know, I was talking to this woman at work. This woman at work loves Dodge and Cox. And I said, well, that's fantastic. If she likes Dodge and Cox, then maybe, you know... We should all enjoy Dodge and Cox for our 401k. Oh, listen to this. I have something that is new. And I should speak about it immediately. Oh, wait. Do we have breaking news? I do. Okay, hold on. Let me get to the... Uh, Sarah's my computer up. Let's do a little bit of uh, breaking news. Oh, for the love of God. All right, go ahead. This is only one of those only Las Vegas stories. They've quarantined a Las Vegas strip hotel room after a guest claimed he woke up covered in white powder. The unidentified man called employees at the Excalibur after he woke up with white powder in his bed. The room has been sealed off, and hotel workers who responded to the suite have now have it secluded. Hazardous material teams are now investigating. It's unclear what the substance is. Even if it is a hoax, the fire department won't take chances. So once again, a man woke up at the Excalibur Hotel claiming he was covered in white powder. Weird. That is weird, isn't it? His kidneys are still intact, though. I was just going to say. Well, isn't Vegas where they found that rice in the other day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I uh, usually stay at the Excalibur. I was just going to say, I've stayed at the Excalibur my own self. That's where I met Ron Jeremy the first time. So, uh, well, all right. So uh, That's kind of weird, isn't it? Especially because at least two of us in this room are going to Vegas in the near future. So, mm-hmm. well, that's good to know. Well, life is for the living, I suppose. Waking up covered in white powder. Jesus. I mean, although, let's be honest, in Vegas, I can think of at least three reasons why that might happen. Mm-hmm. So... Dodge and Cox. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley has the new news hour on the way. Lisa Desjardins will join us. Peter Carlin, Chris Neathan, a great top five, and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Pro. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I seem to have all your excess energy today. They're kind of crazy today. Like I've eaten all your tasty courage. I, uh... Well, and I didn't get that much sleep last night, but I uh, I did have a lot of caffeine this morning. And the thing is, not to be all about how I'm some bicycling guy, it really is only two days in a row. Um, but I do think there is something to that where it gives you, I don't know, it's like a, what are those, like endorphins or whatever those things are? Anyway, so it, it forces me to wake up a little earlier than I than I normally would. So, in any event. Uh, it is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up later on today, uh, we'll talk to Peter Carlin. From the Oregonian. By the way, speaking. So I shouldn't shouldn't say this without Tim in the room. The best part the best part about this morning was 
And I don't think Peter has a column in the Oregonian right now because I think he's on sabbatical to write that Paul McCartney book. But the best part was Tim sort of looking through the Oregonian this morning in the studio and then just sort of dismissively tossing it aside and just saying, this is a waste of trees. I heard that. I love Tim. I really do. (laughs) Ah, All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Should Richie call CNN? uh, Oh, is, is she late? Yeah, three minutes. Really? Is that true? Wait. Ah, there he is. He's on it like Blue Bonnet, as they used to say. All right, so uh, I got a couple things to get to. By the way, apparently season three of Dexter does start uh, September 30th, so everybody be looking for that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. How can I assist you on this Tuesday? Actually, I may be able to assist you on this Tuesday. What can I? What's up? I was driving past the Mount Tabor Theater, and I saw that Patton Oswalt is planning on being in town. Well, it was supposed to be Friday. Now, apparently, it's Saturday. Uh, they've kind of yeah. moved that. Uh, it's the uh, Bridgetown Comedy Festival. We're actually going to have uh, some folks from that on, uh, is it tomorrow? Yeah. What time? Um, Two. I thought it was Thursday. I think it moved. Uh, okay. Well, we'll have to talk okay. about that. Yeah, there's right. going to be, okay. Uh, are we having somebody on? Yeah, we have a thing happening tomorrow. I thought that they were on Thursday, so we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, so we're having somebody from the Bridgetown Comedy Festival on, and yeah, there's whole bunch of, uh, you know, well, I knew how much guys. I knew how much you admired Patton Oswalt and uh, how much you regretted not interviewing yeah. him after the Well, play. I mean, it's not that I don't regret. It's not that I regret not interviewing him uh, because at the time I had, wasn't really familiar with him. And so I would have just been some other idiot DJ who didn't really know what he was. So you tell jokes. And, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Right. Uh, but more, subsequent to that, though, I was sort of exposed to his comedy and found him to be uh, amusing. Okay. One more real quick thing. I was uh, looking through the news the other day, and I noticed that there is a Spokane monkey watch that was undone on the Rick Emerson No, no, no. Show. We did that yesterday. Oh, you did? Well, that's what you get for not listening every moment of your life, sir. It hurts me in my... Hurts uh, you in your metal monkey. body. Yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, bye. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. It's going to be a great day. I can just sense it. All right, uh, so Richie is looking into the... I guess it's not a huge deal because we don't have uh, Steve coming up later on in the hour. Steve is is sort of uh, otherwise occupied. So, uh, Richie, shall I... Do I dare plunge on boldly ahead into something else here? Is this going to be like how I can make it rain by washing my car? Okay, so if I start another story, she'll immediately... Yes. She'll immediately call. Well, you know what? I'll just do a... I, I will do a couple of these small things that we would otherwise uh, not get to today. And th- there we go. Look there at that. That's pretty fascinating, actually. I am a rain god. All I have to do is just hold up the sheaf of papers and sort of waggle them around, and then immediately uh, Lisa conjures herself onto the phone line. Ladies and gentlemen, from the hill, let's welcome Rick Emerson Radio Program. Lisa Desjardins, why, hello, and how are you today? It wasn't as if I heard you. It was more like I, I felt the call from, from across across the continent of the United States. Did you sense a great disturbance in the force as though millions of voices cried out and were suddenly silent? It, it was more like an itch. Well, they... Or or <laughs> the silencing of thousands of voices, perhaps. <laughs> or, or, yeah, your, door, your dumb thing, Rick. Fine. <laughs> uh, well, actually, well, we're just, uh, maybe it's just like a Beetlejuice thing, where it's just, I say your name enough times, it's like, psh, there you are. So I really like this. I like reaching for the Star Wars effect. I, d- I do that whenever I can. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Let me, just, let me just read, and I won't subject you to a whole story. This is the thing I was going to read to uh, just to sort of bridge the gap. I'm not going to read the whole story because really, it, it, like, there's only so much to say about Kid Rock being arrested for something. But I will then uh, read just this, just enough of it so you can appreciate the trashiest phrase of the year. 
Kid Rock pled guilty to battering a man in a Waffle House last October. Anytime you've been arrested for beating somebody down in a Waffle House, <laughs> there really is, at some point in the future, uh, there's, uh, there's a flop house and undoubtedly uh, a stint on some uh, short-lived VH1 reality uh, series, really. And it's and they've done and this is from E Online, but they've done that great thing for the National Enquirer, where they got a picture of him where I think he's probably sneezing or having some kind of a spasm, <laughs> and, and it just it comes off looking looking like he's looking like he's got facial polio, just <laughs> no good, no good at all. Well, all this right. probably says more about me, but actually I've been to. Um, more of a fancified uh, Waffle House. <laughs> One of your upscale Waffle they, Houses. They actually have Waffle House. The chain Waffle House is now trying out upscale Waffle Houses. Uh, and there's one in Atlanta that I went to with some friends. Okay, let me just say this, since you're talking about Waffle Houses. So this is an observation I was making to my... And in case anybody thinks that this is... Uh, you know, like you get some guys who are on the air or do radio programs and they have some sort of a... You know, they have some sort of a, like a fake, uh, like a, like a, you know, it's an act or a persona or whatever. I really am just as scatterbrained and irritating, like 24 hours a day. It, it, I, it doesn't, I can't really turn it off, even if I tried. Right. So this is the sort of thing that my wife is subjected to. So we're driving along the other day. I don't even know what we were doing. I think we were driving to the mall for something or other. And we drove by this place here called the Village Inn Pancake House. And I started thinking to myself, how odd it is that certain restaurants feel the need to define themselves with a subset of their menu items on the sign out front. Right. And how it really, but it's only certain things. And so we started to list them off. There are uh, pancake houses. There is the waffle house, steak house. And then I came up with, with hamburgers. But that's really about it. Like there's no restaurant that defines themselves as being, uh, you know, like bacon house. Right, and then you'd have maybe the more advanced, the steak and ale. There's the steak and ale house, but it is only, like, no one's a house of pickles. It's just, <laughs> it's one of those things only certain menu items have been deduced to have that sort of marquee appeal. You don't think a brewery, uh, I can't even say the word. <laughs> a what, a what, Lisa? Funny. A brewery? When, do you, would that count? Would that? I mean, is that just is that just a much larger category altogether? Well, but see, a brewery by definition is a thing that serves alcohol or liquor in some variety. When it's just a restaurant, but then they specifically take one menu item and they put it out front as part of uh, the permanent attraction to the restaurant. There is a chi I was at a chicken house once. A chicken house? Yes. Okay, can I just say this? We were talking, uh, I think yesterday, the day before, about this truly awful thing we saw on the Travel Channel about the Las Vegas fact. Yes, yes. And one of the facts was, uh, uh, you know, some uh, some uh, doughy person coming on the camera and saying, well, where can I get the most food for my money? You know, like a very American question. And they revealed that there was this place called the Westward Ho in Vegas, which uh, has some large smorgasbord buffet thing. And they noted that it was a favorite of the locals. Now, that in and of itself is not very funny. Here's what is funny. Okay. When you go to the Westward Ho, which, again, is a favorite of the locals in Vegas, one of the items that you can get on the menu for three ninety-nine is a whole chicken. And they show some just fat bastard sitting down at a table, and there's a plate and like 85% of the plate surface area is taken up by a whole like roasted chicken and then like a smattering of peas and a biscuit. 
And so my wife really made the observation that, first of all, who, who wakes up and says, you know what I need right now is a whole chicken. <laughs> Not chicken legs or chicken wings. I need a whole chicken. And the idea that this uh, dish is apparently a favorite of the Vegas locals, which means that Vegas is filled with people who on a regular basis decide that they need to consume an entire chicken at lunch. Yes, yes. So, oh. I'm sorry that you're being subjected to all of these weird little uh, expanded threads in the message board of my brain, but I just think... no. I'm with you. I'm with you on the chicken house, pancake house. I, I understand. All right. Uh... This almost goes back. This sort of harkens to a conversation I had with uh, one of my best friends yesterday about how she actually watches sitcoms based on how nice their living rooms look. And that all of the ugly living room sitcoms, uh, she just would have no part of. Okay, so well, she deduces then uh, Friends to be the most attractive living room in the sitcom ben world? Friends, Friends was, jeez, Friends was a very good living room. You know, on the other end, she would say, for example, Roseanne. She could not watch Roseanne, not because it wasn't funny, because especially at the beginning, it was a very, very funny show. But the living room, she just she just did not want to sit in that living room. I suppose that everybody just wanted to live, when I was growing up, everybody just wanted to live with the Huxables. I mean, that really that, was... That really is her ultimate. She, she brought that up. That was the best living room the, there. Yeah. The thing about, and this is such a sad comment on, and I know that we're not doing anything remotely yeah. approaching news, but we'll get to that. The It is a sad comment on me and perhaps others and just my life and just the way we are raised in America that really off the top of my head, I could probably list three, four, five sitcom uh, parents and or families with whom I gladly would have traded places growing up, you know, would have traded my own parents in in a heartbeat. Yes. So, all right. But there are probably, I would say probably more that I actually would, when, in thinking about it, I would not want to join the family. There are more sitcom families I would probably rather be the next door neighbor to. You want to be the wacky next door neighbor? I would, I would, I would rather, exactly. That's the role I would like. You want to be, uh, you want to be Larry on Three's Company? Yes, yes. I always wanted to have, was it uh, Esther Roll? Was she the grandmother on Good Times? Oh, yes, I believe she, ooh, I think so. I think, it, it, I think so, unless I'm getting my sitcoms confused. But I always just, it, she always just seemed so comforting. Yes. I always just wanted to yes, be fantastic. Just yes. held to her bosom and just made to feel that everything was fantastic. So, all right. Uh, well, just actually back on the food uh, tip for a second here. So they've got, I know that they've got these 5,000 tons of, I don't know, beef tongue intestine shavings or whatever it is they're taking oh, off the it. market. And, of course, it, it, this does seem like a rather obvious punchline, but they've all just gone directly into uh, the school lunch program, apparently, right? Into our children, yes. Fantastic. Right, right from the inside of the cow to the inside of your child. That's right. Now, you know, there's some of the, that... All of this recalled beef, again, the largest beef recall in American history. I'm actually bound by contract to say that every time I bring up this story. Fantastic. But, But... Of that recall, not all of it went to school lunches. Some of it, actually, we just had an, another recall related to that yesterday. Boston Market recalled uh, some lasa- frozen lasagna. Is Boston Market that place that, uh, is Boston Market that sad place that college kids go to when they want to go home, but they can't, they can't quite make it there? And they want to, it's like a Potemkin home, home-cooked meal. I have never heard it described that way, and uh, as someone who loves Boston Market, yes. <laughs> it is really Boston Market is just it's it's for a lot of people who are later going to spend a holiday evening drinking alone, <laughs> and for just one tiny moment. Uh, oh my goodness, oh. I never I never realized that about myself, but I I may fit that at, at times. For one moment, <laughs> when you are living inside, I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you're sitting there uh, eating some cornbread and a piece of ham, and you know, just closing your eyes and trying to click your mental slippers together. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Go ahead. 
But so, well, this is the this is the version that you get at the grocery store. So it's it, it may maybe some more 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 people who uh, maybe the non-alcoholic loners also would eat this one. Uh, but they've recalled that yesterday. So essentially, what's happening is that of all of those millions of pounds of beef, I think it would you say I think 180 million pounds of beef that was recalled, a great portion of it went to the school lunch program. Another portion went to various frozen food and other products. But if you look at the school lunch program overall, one more than a fifth of all the beef in the school lunch program came from this company, came from this source of recalled beef. So there's no doubt that a lot of that beef did make it to schools before it was recalled. You know, it is really astounding, not just because of this business of the recall and that that sort of darkly amusing video of the cow being moved around by a forklift, which, uh, I mean, is just, you know, as, as I think I said at the time, it's just one of those, you know, like where the cow is thinking, well, I'm in a slaughterhouse, life can't get any worse. Oh, no. And then just some gum chewer is shoving you around with yes. a forklift. I mean, really, when you think your life is a bovine cow. That was horrible. I really, I have to say, I had a, I, you know, I can stomach a lot, but for some reason, that video. Oh, I, no, because, you know what, here's the thing, because cows are basically big dogs. That's, that's how, true, I, isn't it? I think that is how we as humans that view uh, cows, because they're big and they're sort of goofy and they don't seem terribly bright, but they seem lovable and whatever. And I just, yeah, you just picture some, some poor cows thinking, well, this is it, I, uh, this day can't get any worse. And yeah, then just some, some, yeah, some, some nitwit shoving you around uh, with a forklift. It really was awful. But it's or, am- you or running over your face with a forklift. And it, it's a... And it's amazing to think that that we can even stomach eating meat at all, really. And I say that as a proud omnivore. It really is a thing that we ought to find disgusting on like a hundred different levels. Well, here's where I absolutely have to say that you know we don't know that anyone became sick because of the beef that was that came out of that company or that processing plant. But the fact remains that these cows were sick or struggling or exhausted. These were not healthy cows that were being put into process. And, in fact, some of them really did resemble the downer cows that you see uh, when you see a cow that has mad cow disease. Right. And, you know, I'm sure up close a veterinarian would be able to distinguish, but just these little clips of video, I don't think you could rule out for sure that some of these cows didn't have mad cow. Now, that's not to say that they did, but you just don't know. And it was fascinating in testimony uh, last week, the USDA kept just saying, well, we don't know that any of them were sick. We get, we don't know. They they pro, they might have all been healthy. Because they looked so full of life. They, who knows? They might have just had some broken legs. <laughs> and <laughs> all of them from being uh, every, every, run over by the forklift, <laughs> right? Well, and what is I, this? Is a side note. So, what is going to happen mm-hmm. uh, to all of these uh, folks who were working at the at the factory? Because you said, I mean, I, it, you know, it, it's, it was not a not a pleasant thing to see, and. You know, and then there's part of you that feels like it would be deeply satisfying, uh, you know, just to see those guys beaten with hammers. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what's going to happen to all those guys? There is a criminal investigation underway right now in the state of California of the plant. And, in fact, that is one reason why the video was was delayed on its release. The Humane Society waited to release the video. I think they waited about a month, maybe a little bit more, after they had told uh, the U.S. Uh, the Attorney General in California they had said, hey, wait, don't release this video yet. We want to start our own criminal investigation. But as it became clear that the investigation was taking time, the Humane Society said, we think maybe this meat should get off the shelves. We should put this information out. So there is a criminal investigation underway of the company. Meanwhile, the company uh, could very well go broke and, and may Excellent. dissolve completely. It's well not done. clear yet. Then there are the, there's a the matter of the USDA inspectors who were on site and who at some point – 
missed the fact that these cows that couldn't walk were being continued through the process. And two of those inspectors have been put, I believe, on paid leave right now while there's an investigation at the Department of Agriculture. You know, here on this program, we really do traffic on an almost daily basis in the vile and the hideous. Uh, but, you know, there's a couple of things that here on the program we just find indefensible. And one of them is, you know, prodding animals with forklifts or whatever. And so folks who do that, all we, we have a big black book that we have here. And uh, we put names in the book every now and again. And those are people who will be dealt with at the appropriate time. And so... Uh, so is, have, no, so then have you talked about this marine puppy? Oh, I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even, I, that, uh, uh, see, now I know by saying it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean. I, in that topic area. I didn't mean to jump all over you there, Um, but that is one I, of those things that by saying it, I know that I am sort of prompting people to go seek it out. But I, it, okay. it, I will just say anybody. I, will, I would defer to your judgment. Well, I'll just I'll put it this way. I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to interrupt you on that, but I, I will say this: that uh, if anybody wants to know what you're talking about, it won't be won't be difficult to find. It's true. Uh, I know that if if anybody goes to dig.com with the two G's, that is for the last day has been the single most read article at that site. Yes. And it's just one of those things that you know I looked at just enough of it to make sure that I wasn't being. Uh, led astray or schooled somehow that it wasn't misrepresenting the story and then i didn't watch anymore because it's just crap i don't need in my head uh but seriously really there are folks who need to be taken out back and just dealt with appropriately in this world because people this is the one thing people may not get as they look this up is that the marine corps has responded and said it's shocking and deplorable and it's contrary to all of their standards and and that they are investigating yeah so they've got their own uh, I don't know if it's a black book, but it's a gray book, and, and that incident is in there. Investigate with a tire iron. All right. Um, so uh, real quickly, uh, before we, we kind of go, so this is, uh, you know, the, 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 obviously it's it's make or break day uh, for Hillary. This is either a glorious triumph or desperate shame for her. It sure feels like it. I, I think that th- this will be the day when we, we really have a I, – I think we we may know the eventual outcome, but we may not have the outcome. I, I don't think she – unless she just gets blown out – in Texas, unless it's not even close. Uh, I believe she's going to stay in, at at least for another week, maybe longer. I'd be surprised if she got out. She may stick it through all the way until April 22nd, which is when Pennsylvania votes. That's possible. If there are close votes in Ohio and Texas, I think she'll stay in at least for a little while. I don't know how long. Now, if she wins in Ohio and Texas, which she may, then, then she certainly will stay, I believe, until Pennsylvania. Uh, how, uh, how close right now, at, at, not counting today, how close are they in delegates right now, but bef- not counting today's results? When they it's, it's, a, it's about a, around 100, depending on how you want to look at it. And that is obvious. That's not, you know, that's not a statistical tie or anything by any means because the numbers are what they are. But, but I mean, it, it is... I'm not trying to be revisionist about this, but I think a lot of people who think that it is right now just some Obama uh, blowout, it really is conceivable that if she does well today, she might at least, she might stick it out through Pennsylvania if if not, you know, whatever. Because um, I just don't think she has a reverse gear. That's the thing about Hillary Clinton. Mm, I just, interesting. I don't think she has the quitting gene. It just seems like it is not even an option for her. I mean, she'll have to do it at some point if things continue to go poorly. You think those are the things that she's stuck through, right? Regardless, you can just, you, you know, everyone knows the many things in politics and personally that she is just, she does, she just, she plows through it, she gets through it. Well, you, and you may be right, it does seem like she does, she, she, up until now, she has not had to, had to quit anything and she has never lost anything. Now she, her husband, of course, did lose uh, the Arkansas governorship and then came back. She was a part of, she was there for that. But I, I think you're right. The truth, though, is 
right now it is almost statistically impossible. She, she would have to the numbers she would have to get in every remaining state in order to clinch the nomination. It's almost impossible for her to do it. Well, you said it was like seventy-one percent yes, or something. Yes. So and 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 prob- probably now a little bit more than that as well. And because well, it depends on how what happens today. But Vermont very likely to go strongly for Obama. The question marks are Rhode Island, Ohio, and Texas. Now Obama has a shot of clinching, but he probably won't be able to do it either because of the superdelegates. We've talked about that before. But he is going to be far enough ahead of her that that there will be a point where people will just shrug their shoulders and say, "All right, you know." Okay, we're done. We get it. We have to pick one person, and he's ahead. Uh, that's, that's why he's hoped. That's why today matters so much, because if he can do that today, the race will be over. And then the guy who's sort of been uh, forgotten in the last few weeks is Mike Huckabee. How about that? I sort of forgot he even existed. So I picked up the paper, and I'm like, oh, Mike Huckabee. That's right, because he's, man, he's still there just like, just like you know, he's like, a, he's like a, a dog that's just latched onto your pant leg and won't let go. Well, there was a great poll that came out in the last week that showed that even of McCain supporters, people who are voting for McCain, nearly half of them, uh, over 40% of them, want Mike Huckabee to stay in the race, even though they're voting for McCain, because they just like having him around. Because it, because it forces McCain to acknowledge uh, the, the conservative base? That's true. I think that's right. I think there are two factors there. I really do think that Huckabee is a more interesting and likable character on the campaign trail, and I also do think the conservatives really want him to just keep pushing, 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 pushing McCain to the right if he can. I don't, I don't know if McCain is really going to do that at this point, but they want that voice out there. Uh, all right. Big day. Um, Very big day. Do <clears throat> you have any predictions? What do you think? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to open my mouth and, and then uh, uh, look a fool, as they say, but... Um, I mean, it seems like in in politics, everybody, the people believe in the in you know that in the wave, and it, you know it, it is it's so the momentum and the perception, which of course paces reality, is so with Obama at this point, and as you said, the math simply even if she wins, mm-hmm. she probably won't win by margins sufficiently large to give her what she needs. Quite unlikely, yes. That being said, you know Hillary and Bill Clinton have learned, as Woody Allen once said, uh, you know eighty eight percent of success is just showing up. And and Bill and Hillary Clinton, Bill especially, you know, he has made uh, he made a career out of being the last man standing. Of just absolutely, he wouldn't bend, he wouldn't break, he wouldn't quit, he wouldn't give in, no matter what happened. He just dug in and refused to go. And and, and she's got a little pocket right now where we've seen more negative press against Obama, more questions about his past than we have at any point in this campaign. And it, it really says all the more that if she can't break out right now, and if she does lose Ohio and Texas. That that will sort of give more credence to this theory that all right, you know, it, she's not going to do it. She can't. If she can't do it now, it's not going to happen. But if she can win both states, she's got a little bit of a foothold. She can keep climbing. It's interesting that I saw, uh, and we have to, to go here. But I, it's interesting that, it, and she, of course, must be incensed that this is too little, too late, probably. But that the press, I won't say they turned on Obama, but they did start to throw a little fire at him about this, uh, about the NAFTA thing. Yeah, and how interesting. We talked about this. I really, I, I was, I really believe that this is the same thing that President Bush did, you know, in the, in the beginning of his presidency, where he just kept telling journalists, hey, you're biased against me, you're biased against me. And he started to get more of a pass. Now, I do think it, it it is absolutely right that Obama needs to be scrutinized just as much as Hillary Clinton. That is 100% right. But I think that now, it has gone a little bit the other way, that she has 
put this bias claim out there so much, and Saturday Night Live has put it out there, that the press is sort of going the other direction, scrutinizing him a little bit more than her right now. Uh, and it's, it's a masterful trick. It's a, it's a good thing to have in your playbook as a politician, but... But that's what I see it. I see it for that. You know, I will say that the Clinton campaign, uh, when all is said and done, uh, they really are just sort of just, uh, I was going to go for a zombie analogy, but I mean, they're not down until they're down. That's the thing. You you, you know, it's they are the here's what the Clinton campaign is. I will wrap it up on this note to say okay. that I think Obama is probably uh, going to take, you know, it, it, it might end up being a split victory, but no better than that for Hillary. Uh, you know, the best she can hope for today is split results. I will say. The, the the Hillary Clinton campaign, though, is like Annie Wilkes, as played by Kathy Bates at the end of Misery, where James Conn clocks her with the typewriter, he thinks she's down, and then he walks out of the room and says, well, I'm glad that's over, and then she lurches back into the frame and tackles him. Yes. So, yes. All right. And one last point, though. I think yes. the thing to watch tonight and tomorrow, whoever wins, whoever loses, it'll be interesting to, say, to see how they put it, because Hillary Clinton, they're both trying to play the underdog game, and the truth is the latest polls out – show her ahead by a little bit in Texas, which is a dramatic change. If she wins Texas, she's going to say it's this dramatic come-from-behind win, which in some ways it is, but they're going, to, they're going to play these numbers no matter win or lose. Be ready for some serious spin on how these numbers in Texas and Ohio go. It's all very exciting. I've got a groove on the couch at home just waiting for my, uh, <laughs> waiting for my backside this afternoon. All right, uh, are you on tomorrow? Absolutely. Excellent. All right, we will talk to you then. As always, have a fantabulous day. You too. There we go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Hi, hello. How's everyone? Five. No. <laughs> Is this some sort of a, was there only a finite amount of energy in the room today and I've just taken it all? Yeah, you've sucked it all out, Rick Emerson. Dodge and Cox. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yes, breaking news, Rick. 82nd Avenue between Prescott and Killingsworth has been shut down. The police have a bomb squad up there. There's a man barricaded inside a home at 82nd and Alberta. 82nd. He's a wanted man. People in houses are encouraged to duck and cover. Portlanders are encouraged to avoid the area at all costs. All right. Thank you. Thanks. 82nd and Alberta, a man barricaded in the house with a bomb. A wanted man. Fantastic. Well, they don't know if it's a bomb. More around the more on that mm-hmm. when we get higher on the Rick Emerson show, and then we'll take a break. Hey. Hey, doesn't Tim get mad when people scab on his breaking news like that? Seriously, Tim, does it irritate you when people take your breaking news fire? Yes, I'm throwing everything in the garbage and walking out. <laughs> We're going to shred it all. I Come promise on. to never do such a thing. Thank you, sir. Hey, uh, um, yeah. you know that beef recall? Yes. Do you remember the list of parts that were kind of weird? Yeah, glands. glands salivary glands, lymph nodes, and cheeks are the ingredients in chorizo. Oh, attention, Aaron Duran. Yes. Oh, and speaking of that, I have a, a new uh, nickname for a title for Aaron. Yeah. Okay, it is uh, El Mexicano Mas Blanco, which translates roughly to the whitest Mexican. Is that like the biggest loser? All right. And tonight on another exciting episode of The Whitest Mexican. Let's uh, break now, shall we? <laughs> All right, back after this. Tim, I promise never to scoop you on anything ever. I play my part by being incredibly ill-informed. Fine. I, you're never in danger of having me scoop you with anything. Okay. <laughs> Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program.
Jefferson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, make way for Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's a police event underway at Northeast 82nd and Albertson where a man has barricaded himself into a home. Apparently, he's a wanted man. He thought 82nd will be a welcoming area for his activities. Meanwhile, prostitution problems have returned to Southeast 82nd. The elimination of the prostitute-free zone on 82nd has led to growing prostitution problems. Uh, the city fathers and mothers did away with the zones late last year, but since then, neighbors and police say they noticed an increase in prostitution. They see drop-offs and pickups every single night in the neighborhood. Uh, they've also seen condom wrappers, needles, and drugs present. Well, at least they're using those. Portland is the city of industry, Tim. It is. The city of business people. So what is a, I know this sounds like a daft question, but what does it mean when it's a prostitute-free zone? I mean, clearly, well, they have that side with the stiletto with a cross through it. Is, please tell me that you're not making that up. I was making that up. But, but I mean, is there, because you see those things that say drug-free zones. Yes. And I'm not really sure what that means. I think that means to uh, sell drugs there. But does it mean it means that the the penalties double or something? Is that the deal? Like he's so. not allowed to sell drugs anywhere. But I think that when he says drug free zone, I think it means that, that like it's like it's like when they say uh, traffic fines double in work zones. Mm-hmm. I think if you sell drugs in a drug free zone, I think they really throw the book at you. So maybe that's what it was with the the the, the hooker free zone. But I like the idea that they created a hooker free zone. And then got rid of it. First of all, why would you create it and then get rid of it? Like, what was, what was that about? Well, I don't know. We're just, there's it, just it may have expired. Not just lapsed. Not enough hookers to be found. And then th- they put up the hooker, the, ho- the hooker, the hooker free zone to get rid of hookers. They remove the zone and are then amazed when the hookers return. Right. So Jesus. All right. Tax dollars at work. So once again, uh, drugs, prostitution, and uh, needles are to be found on 82nd. Sort of a stop by and bring the family. A a one-stop shopping for all your vice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then fire investigators had quarantined a Las Vegas trip hotel room where a guest claimed that he woke up covered in white powder. This happened at the Excalibur. The man woke up with white powder in his bed. The room has been sealed off, and hotel workers who responded to the suite are being secluded. As of this material, teams are now investigating. It's unclear what the substance is so far, so we'll continue to follow that one. Say, what's all this with all the Nazi flags in the suburbs? It's true. Uh, Tiger neighbors have found a bizarre sight in the sky over the past few days. Nazi flags attached to balloons. Now, apparently, these balloons make the flags fly a lot easier. And, uh, oh, and the American National Socialist Party... Uh, has uh, sent a local TV station an email claiming responsibility. It says, We are 100% res- responsible for this guerrilla political activism. No act of criminal mischief has occurred, wrote one man, and we challenged the Tigard police to reaction against us. So there. Filthy Nazis. You know what? Tying flags to balloons in Tigard. I hate Tigard Nazis. You know, Tim, what those, you know what those people uh, could benefit from in Tigard? A homeowner's association. I don't believe a homeowners association would tolerate any Nazi flags, would they? No. You're, now, are you are you allowed to have flags of any variety in your? Uh, I'm your... glad you brought that up. Yes. Because everyone is entitled to have one flag in a flag holder in front of their house. Some people decided to erect a big flagpole, <laughs> which has become an eyesore on the nature path, and they are told to remove it. Are they going to be punished? Well, apparently the 
these people argue that they fought for our freedom <laughs> and therefore entitled to break the rules. They are not. They're being fined every day. I want to make this an ongoing segment. The What is the Homeowners Association punishing people for today? Uh, incidentally, so yesterday, in really what was one of the best segments we've ever had, you started yesterday's program by congratulating Aaron, who is, uh, as of today, he is now three days a homeowner. He, he and Jen moved into a condo. Uh, he is now a, a, a proud American landowner. Um, and so they hadn't even been in that place two days when they had somebody towed away, <laughs> like if there was who was somebody who was like one inch or something into their space, mm -hmm. so they were immediately on the phone to the man having the car taken away, and you gave them a hearty congratulations. So my wife talked to uh, Aaron's wife Jen last night. They were doing the doing each other's hair or whatever it is girls do, and they were and, and Jen has already made a list of other people that she believes to be problem tenants, and she's already got a she's already got whatever the the. Whoever it is you call to get people towed away or punished, she's got it. It's like number one speed dial in her cell phone. Mm -hmm. So she can't wait to bring down the uh, the hammer of aesthetic justice on the other folks at their uh, condo. So someone, so they erected like a full-on flagpole. Yes. And this was like some some uh, veterans, some I almost said Nazi group, some veterans group. No, uh, veterans who uh, served their country for a long time. But it's not a group of individual citizens yeah, that did this. An individual. All right. Listen, did right. they just do it in the dead of night, like when nobody was looking? No, they did in front of everyone. <laughs> Flouting the law. <laughs> Defying the Homeowners Association rules, which are clearly stated. All right, excellent. But So you are allowed, uh, as a homeowner there, one, a small flag on your property. Yes. Could it be a Nazi flag? It could be. Okay, well, duly noted. Mm -hmm. All right. There's Tim Riley. But I wouldn't recommend it. No, no, of course not, because something bad will happen to you. So this woman from Eugene writes a, a memo about herself. She's a white woman. She claimed she was raised in poverty by a black foster mother and sold drugs for a gang in a tough Los Angeles neighborhood. Uh, the book is called Love and Consequences. It was published last week by the Penguin Group. And the author, Margaret B. Jones, writes about growing up as a half-white, half-Native American in South Central L.A. in the foster home of Big Mom. One of her foster brothers, she writes, was gunned down by the Crips outside her home. She also writes about carrying illegal guns and selling drugs for the Bloods gang. Well, it turns out she made it all up, and she lives in Eugene. She also uh, lied about graduating from the University of Oregon, and this woman's only 33. Uh, she has told the New York Times that her memoir was fully fabricated. Many of her experiences recounted in the book, she tells the newspaper, were based on experiences of friends she met while doing anti-gang outreach in Los Angeles. For whatever reason, I was really torn, and I thought my opportunity to put a voice where people uh, had come, so she decided to write a fake book. Oh, by the way... Oh, I guess Oprah did not recommend this one. No, well, Oprah got so screwed so badly with that James Fry guy. Oh, yeah. The James guy that Fry. wrote a, a Million Little Pieces. A Million Little Pieces. Yeah, she got shafted hard by that guy. And so I think Oprah has, uh, I think she's employed a team of fact checkers to look at the underpinnings of books before she recommends them at this point. So apparently this white woman from Eugene did not grow up in the home of Big Mama. In South Central L.A. <laughs> she did not grow up with Esther Roll. Um, well, I don't understand. Why, if you're going to fabricate something, you fabricate stuff that's so easily checked? I mean, it, it seems like if you're if you're if your whole thing is to lie, and I'm not advocating that you do this, but if you're some nutcase journalist who's just going to make stuff up, like why would you say that you were enrolled at wherever? Where did she say she graduated from? Yeah, let's see here. Uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, University of Oregon. So why would you put that when they have you know what are those things? The membership, you know, like like records where they can just show that. So, and here's the other thing. It, it seems to me. 
that we have, you know, we have the 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 um, the Jason Blairs and the Stephen Glasses of the world. Did anybody see that movie Shattered Glass? No. Jesus God, what a great and horribly stressful movie that is. It's Hayden Christensen. He plays Stephen Glass, who is that guy who wrote for the New Republic, and they found out he was just like making crap up left and right, just fabricating entire stories. Um, just a just a nail biter of a. You watch the whole film and you can just feel your intestines just being twisted. Uh, it's a great movie, but and it's got. Uh, it's got uh, a what's his name who is also in Jarhead, not uh, the guy who dies at the end of Jarhead. I can never remember his name. You've spoken about liking him quite a bit. I can't remember his name though. Um, I always confuse him with Lee F. Schreiber. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so you get these journalists who just fabricate stuff, and I always like as a journalist, can't you just couldn't you just make stuff up and just say sources told you or that it came from anonymous sources? I believe so. So I I don't know why journalists don't just do that. If I was a journalist and I was going to create a story, you would simply say, well, I had an off the record source that told me, and then just make it up that way. Well, Margaret B. Jones wrote under the name Margaret Seltzer. Uh, she is white, so that is true. <laughs> and she grew up in a well-off area of the San Fernando Valley where, with her biological family. She attended a private Episcopal day school and never lived with a foster family or sold drugs for a gang. So I guess because she went under a different name, it might have been a little bit tougher. But the publisher apparently didn't check. But maybe all their office crews cleaned out. I think it could be part of a big, big conglomerate. And maybe they all got laid off. I think what Well, that's the other thing about this. Is like with these huge, massive multinational corporations that do publishing and there's just nobody around to check things people. anymore. Yeah, there's just like the fact checking department is like just somebody like Lacey Turner who just sits back there and, you know, is just looking to make sure your semicolons are in the right place. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, in any event, I guess, I, I guess, bet that's true. I guess the woman got screwed when she claimed that she had a bunch of because she's, you know, she's like all of them. She's like, you know, lily, you know, a lily-livered white uh, girl from Eugene who wants to pretend to be, like, really down with the urban folks. And so she claimed to have, like, a bunch of black stepbrothers or something, and they were all in gangs. And I guess, like, her older sister saw an article about it, and her sister's the one who ratted her out, which is great. Her sister actually called the publisher and said, hey, my nutcase sister's making it all up, by the way. So, uh, in your face. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, TriMet is hoping the new crackdown on bad behavior aboard the Max will uh, restore peace to the transit system. The threat of a 36-hour hold in juvie for those accused of being transit system troublemakers is the latest policy to be implemented. It went into effect March 1st. Uh, let's see. Oh, the short stay is not due to a lack of space, but rather for legal reasons. Oregon state law stipulates that minors can only be held for more than five hours if they commit a felony or a crime against a person. Uh, Max riders uh, waiting for trains say they hope the new policy would reduce incidents on the Max. And today there were people on the Max with angel wings, but they were giving away uh, circulars to the Cirque du Soleil, but they weren't troublemakers. You know, the weird thing about that Cirque du Soleil is I never know. It's like it just appears overnight. I never see them putting it up. I guess it's a big tent on Moody's. Yeah, the tent's there again. I just saw that the other day. But it, I never see it. It's kind of like a weird Wonka's factory sort of thing. Like you never see anybody assembling it. Because mm -hmm. one day it's not there. The next day, there it is, just out of the blue. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard is the guy in Shattered oh, Glass. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, he's a, he's a great actor, too. Yeah, so Shattered Glass uh, is a really, really good film, especially if you like uh, movies about the media and about journalism. And it is, it's a true story about that guy, that guy Stephen Glass, who worked at uh, the, the New Republic and had all of these amazing scoops, all of these fantastic stories like, well, you're such a great reporter. You really find these stories that no one else could ever discover. And, of course, he was just finding them in his own brain. He was just manufacturing them whole cloth. And the entire movie, I mean, it starts out with him getting caught. 
But the entire movie is just like Peter Sarsgaard slowly unraveling Stephen Glass's whole career one thread at a time and exposing him hmm. for just making all the stuff up. God damn, it's a tense film to watch. It's really good, though. Uh, hello? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick. Hello? Uh, clarif- yeah, hey. Hey. Clar- um, yes. Clar- clarification on the... Um... Uh, the hooker-free zones and drug-free zones. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My understanding is, if you have been, con- if you ever get convicted of a drug or a, hook- or a prostitution crime, you're banned from that area. Period. So if they see you in that area, they can just pick you up and haul you off. Oh, so if you so if you've been nailed for uh, for consorting with women of the evening before, you're not even allowed to go to that zone. That's that's my understanding because the drug-free zone downtown. That's what that is. You okay. can't go back. Uh, the other thing is uh, the ultimate. In my mind, the ultimate uh, sitcom uh, living room is uh, Silver Spoons. Oh, yeah, with the train and the video games. Yeah. Fantastic. So, anyway, there right. you go. Thank you. All right. right. Here's Tim Riley. And cops have just arrested a burglary and domestic violence suspect who violated his restraining order against his wife. A $600,000 warrant has been issued for 48-year-old Anthony Charles White for burglary, witness tampering, and violating a restraining order. They were afraid that he was going to be a flight risk. So they sent the CERT team out to serve a warrant at his home at Northeast Alberta and 82nd closing down the streets, and he has been taken into custody. So no so bomb, no... Uh... 82nd is now safe for street walkers again. <laughs> Attention, hookers. Ye may now return. All right. Uh, so the uh, Dinnerod is uh, just about to get underway. It's the annual uh, sled dog race. Oh, it is going on. As a matter of fact, it kicked off in Anchorage. It is the 36th time... And uh, some Oregonians are taking part in it this year, including a 22-year-old lady who's a graduate of Redmond High School. Uh, she finished first. Oh, she finished her first. They did her out in 2006. So it's uh, 14 days. Is it, and this is, is where the dogs haul you across Alaska or whatever? Yeah. Here's a dumb question. The dogs can't possibly enjoy that. Oh, they might. Do they? I mean, are I there mean, dogs they're, they're that are... trained and bred for such things? And... Yeah. I mean, they're trained to do it, but is that... I mean, do you suppose they'd just... They'd rather be at home? Well, it's Alaska. What else is there to do there? Yeah, I guess it's a fair point. I always kind of feel sorry for dogs that are doing that, though, where there's some, uh, you know, just some some guy with 5,000 pounds of gear on the back of a sled, and there's 12 dogs having to take you through 50-foot-high snow drifts. And I always look at the and I always wonder if the dogs are there going, well, it's a living. Like if it's one of those Flintstone things with the dog. The dog just sort well, of... Uh, apparently it was at one time. They helped deliver mail and goods on those sleds. It is true. All right. I guess they don't have to do it anymore, except in remote villages, but now it's a, it's a sport for everyone to enjoy. The Iditarod is one of those things, though, that people, it's fun because you don't have to do it, but if like, you had to do it, it would be the worst thing on earth. It's, uh, uh, it, you know, it's like I would say about camping. You know, if you were forced to live that way, you would just loathe it with everything in you, but when it's made optional, suddenly it becomes, you know, amusing. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Oh, some people are very bad. They broke into the blind school in the Coove again. Uh, they're looking for several suspects described as young. It was broken into and vandalized for the second time over the weekend. They used a shovel to force open the door. They reportedly tossed toys around, broken window, and stole some, uh... Jeez. All right. Uh, stole something else. Oh, they stole birthday party money out of a jug. Who could be that cruel? I'm hearing an open channel somewhere. I know. It won't go away. All right. Now it's gone. All right. Well, they stole somebody's birthday money. <laughs> from, they stole birthday money from the blind. Yes, they did. There's a that's a that's, that's a that's a one way ticket right there. <laughs> Seriously. And they stole birthday money from the blind. Was the uh, were the suspects described as being fuzzy looking and loud? Well, as a matter of fact, I guess they got him, them in high quality images of video, but they haven't released it yet. Oh, they also set the blind school bus on fire <laughs> last weekend. Oh, damn! Damn! 
Who's, who does that? Well, that's the this is Vancouver. That, they think they're doing something good. That doesn't even make any sense. Vancouver. I mean, <laughs> he says, as though it explains it all, and I guess it kind of does. I mean, I'm not advocating theft, but okay, somebody steals money. I guess that's sort of, you know, understandable. I guess people do that. They steal money because whatever. As, as Joe Friday used to say, there are those who have it and those who want it. Some of them get it legally. Some of them choose another means. That's where I come in. I carry a badge. Who sets a school bus for the blind on fire, though? That really is people of Vancouver. <laughs> that really is that really is not called for. Let's just say that it's uh, there's no need for that. Uh, well, all right, let's do this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, definitely want you have you have good feelings when you say that you always know, feel bad for the dogs because um, a number of dogs every year get killed and I killed a dog sled race at the on the Iditarod. I mean, it just doesn't yeah. seem like. Like pulling something through the snow for ten days or whatever, like doesn't seem like that's a road to good health. Right, they like to do, you know, the dogs like to pull the sled, but you know, not not for something as grueling as that. And I'm not a big huge, you know, I'm not a big, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not a big PETA fan or whatever like that. But I, I just think that that's that's just, you know. But seriously, if somebody's really into having their asshole across the uh, the Alaska, well, you know, why don't you just you know pull your own goddamn sled? Right, right. have a have a bunch of idiots pull pull you and see how far you get. Anyway, have a bunch of your fat ass <laughs> friends drag you across Alaska. All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I just uh, just it sort of weirds me out. All right, here's Tim Riley. Into the Wild has just been released on DVD. We have uh, copies of that that we will be giving away. We have uh, copies of Into the Wild on DVD that are just uh, we just got them yesterday, actually. Uh, the rock and roll band The Nine Inch Nails has wasted no time releasing its first album since becoming a free agent last October. They started selling an instrumental album on its website. And fans can get the first nine songs of the 36-track project for free or pay $5 for the entire digital album. Uh, I actually did that last night. Uh, so it is... Uh... It's a four-volume album, and the weird thing is they did it with like no notice. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, it's, I got a bunch of emails about it, and I had just seen a story about it. No one knew the album was in the works. No one knew they were going to be doing this. Uh, but, but all of a sudden, the Nine Inch Nails webpage was changed, and it was like, hey, here's our new album. And they, Trent Reznor, uh, did it uh, the way that some people have started. Not really, not really the Radiohead model, which is where pay whatever you want. But Trent Reznor basically gives you two options. He says you can download it for free. Uh, and it's you know and it, you know it's still at a good listening bit rate. It's still the quality is there. Or you can give us five bucks and you'll get like some extra crap with it. You know your choice. Uh, and it's it's pretty amazing. So I went there and I downloaded the first nine tracks, which are really good. And now I am one of those guys that will probably buy the entire because the entire record like thirty nine tracks or something like it's huge. Uh, but he's just giving away half of it and saying, well, if you like the rest, you can give us five bucks for it. And I will guarantee you, he's going to clear more money on that than he ever would uh, having worked with a major label. So that is uh, that is the way of the future. That is how things. What does uh, Ned Beatty say in Network? That is the atomic and subatomic level of things today, Mr. Beale. Here's Tim Riley. Tapper snuff watch and tap. Well, not fantastic. You know what I mean. Mm. Here's your snuff watch. Celebrate the uh, the life and uh, work of this man. I meant to get Aaron on the phone for this. The co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons is dead. Gary Gygax was 69. 
He helped start the role-playing phenomenon. He died this morning in his home in Lake Geneva. That's around Wisconsin, I guess. 69 years old. He was suffering from health problems for several years, including uh, something wrong with his abdomen. Uh, he is the uh, co-creator, along with Dave Artisan, of the fantasy role-playing game, which came to be in 1974. It became one of the best-selling games ever and influenced video games, books, and movies. Gygax's wife said he always enjoyed hearing from the gang's legion, uh, game's legion of fans about how Dungeons & Dragons influenced their lives. Many would stop by the family's home, which is about 55 miles southwest of Milwaukee, to say hello. It really meant a lot for him to hear people from over the years say how he helped them become a doctor, lawyer, or a policeman, which he gave them. He really enjoyed that. Dungeons & Dragon players create fictional characters for themselves and describe their adventures with the help of complicated rules and unusually shaped dice. The geek pastime is uh, spawning a wealth of copycat games and later inspired a whole genre of computer games that are still growing in popularity. Gygax had been in the uh, declining health for several years, but as recently as January, he hosted weekly games of Dungeons and Dragons at his home. He survived by six children. Uh, we are despondent at his passing. So there you go. I uh, and I and I'm not like I'm a big D and D guy, but he. Well, you want to talk about a guy whose legacy just is massive. Uh, I, it's it's strange to think that before. 1974, there just there really were no role-playing games as such. I mean, not as we sort of know them today. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is, A, so popular in and of itself. Uh, the actual Dungeons & Dragons property, both in terms of the game, in books, movies. Uh, there was the cartoon series, which I think recently was re-released on DVD. Um, Dungeons & Dragons, just that company, that empire is so massive... But, of course, everything you see, whether, you know, you say, what do you do? Well, I sit around and I play Warhammer. I mean, all of those games, World of Warcraft, anything that is a sort of medieval fantasy role-playing game. And, in fact, most role-playing games, period, are all descended, to the best of my knowledge, from Dungeons & Dragons. So that guy, just you want to talk about a guy who just has a hugely disproportionate legacy to to, to, to what he did. It's, it's astounding. It really is unbelievable. So, um uh, Anyway, so there you go. So uh, farewell to that guy. There's your snuff watch for a Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, who wants to talk about politics? Me. I knew you would. Apparently now, uh, Hillary Clinton's people are coming under fire for darkening Barack Obama's complexion in a campaign. Wow, ad. really? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, Tim, now here's a little news quiz. Uh, when is the last time Whitey was accused of artificially darkening someone's complexion uh, in the media? It was O.J., wasn't it? O.J. Simpson on yeah. the cover of what magazine? The Time? Yes. Newsweek? It was the mugshot of O.J. Simpson where, I mean, it was a big shock. O.J. Simpson is a black man. Uh, they made him even blacker. They, uh, it was like somebody, it's what, like that thing on the, it was like Photoshop where you can turn down the brightness. <laughs> they just like turned it to zero. They just turned the brightness and the contrast, zing, all the way down. And I mean, I mean, really, they made him so black, it was just like looking at a void. Um, it was like looking, it was like, he looked like one of those guys that you see, uh, on crime shows where it's like he's shown only in silhouette. Well, I was a hitman for the mafia for 30 years, and it's just like it, like full-on black. That's what they made O.J. Simpson look like. So that was pretty notorious when it happened. 
So this is so this is Hillary uh, being accused of this. Yes. Then uh, Mike Huckabee uh, says the numbers he is getting are different than the ones that uh, people are seeing on television. When people talk about the math, one of the things I always point out is that none of the networks are using the same figures for exactly where the delegate count is. So if the math is so precise, uh, it would be interesting why that none of the networks reporting delegate counts have the same number. He's delusional. <laughs> Nobody has 1,191 delegates by anybody's count. Uh, and it would be nice to get, uh, you know, at least to that point before we start calling to uh, drain the, the water in the tub here. Drain the water in the tub. That guy has never met an idiotic homespun aphorism. It's two things. One, I want to talk about that Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Obama thing again just a second. But B, so slipping by the, uh, was it the food channel or the, one of those channels, and it's, they were doing like a steak, like a beef, a beef cook-off, a beef recipe cook-off. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, you know, rednecks from all over the state gathered together to cook up steak. And then they have the panel of judges. And the panel of judges is sort of like a wine tasting, but it's a beef tasting, where the guys, uh, over the course of 90 minutes, I think they sample 72 different steaks. And, of course, they're all huge. And the judge, uh, the the guy who ran the whole thing, Mike Huckabee. So there you go, one of the people. So what is the – does it say what campaign ad this is that the Hillary camp is being accused of doctoring? Uh, just a minute. I'll have to go back to my original source. All right. So, that's, boy, that's one of those things that, if true, you would think that they would have layers of people that would sort of uh, that would look at those ads to make sure that that wasn't that wasn't happening. Because that's the that's the sort of thing that backfires on you almost immediately and irrevocably. Oh, by the way, uh, I was just uh, watching CNN uh, during the last break, and I saw that there are now already. We should expect these by now. There are already. Now, uh, reports of campaign irregularities in Ohio, so we have that to look forward to. Do you suffer from campaign irregularity? I do. I do, actually. So, uh, the controversial new Hillary Clinton attack ad is causing a stir, uh, posting on the Daily Cost. Why is something moving my mouse? It's like some, somebody doesn't want me to see that. That happens no, to me. Uh, that happens to me, too. No, I talked to, to, to Troy about it on mm. IT. He claimed it was our new mouse pads. Uh, of course he claimed that. <laughs> the, no, new, no, the new mouse pads? Let's not ascribe sinister motives to Troy. No, Troy is, Troy is a very good, like, awesome guy who's good at his job. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, the mouse moves by itself. It, I have noted that repeatedly, though, to several people, that the mouse seems to take control of itself and move of its own accord sometimes. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I was listening to Don and Mike the other day. Don and Mike were saying, and this is about the same time this started happening here, Don and Mike were saying that all of their computers had been taken offline and updated and that their computers were acting weirdly too. And so the, the general belief is that there's some new CBS um, Internet monitoring software that has been installed or some sort of new network spyware that CBS has put on the system. I don't know that that's true, but that's the conventional wisdom. So oh. that might explain why your mouse is moving around. Well, Walter Cronkite did believe that we landed on the moon it in is. 1969. He's a patsy, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that really does look like it was darkened. So I'm trying to go. I can't. My, my, yeah. Of course, my browser just crashed. It was almost mm-hmm. as though they didn't there's want me to see it at all. Red, and then there's the radio. Yeah. Ones. Oh, that totally. That totally yeah. Darkened. Now, these are uh, side-by-side screen grabs of Barack Obama taken during a debate with Clinton in Cleveland. The screen grab used in the uh, Clinton ad shows a clearly wow. darker-skinned Obama prompting some to warn you if it was done to highlight his race. Very much so. Well, but that's just... If they did that, and I'm not saying they did, that's just dumb. Who's on whether Barack Obama's a black man? Who does not know that Barack Obama uh, is black? That's That reminds me of... There was this um, controversy some years back when the movie The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston came out. And some of the posters, it was like her 
hugging Kevin Costner, but it's like she was entirely in shadow. And you could not see Whitney Houston's face, which is odd, because at that time she was the biggest singing star in the world. And so there was this sort of theory that it had been done because uh, movie audiences might not respond to an interracial couple. And Whitney Houston actually just said, well, that's retarded. Who doesn't know that, Whit that I'm black? Like, who doesn't, uh, who's not aware that Whitney Houston is a black woman? So, all right. Has there been any uh, response from the Hillary Clinton camp? No. Uh, they're too busy losing today. All right. So that's that. Then uh, Hillary was on The Daily Show last night. Did anybody see that? Uh, no. It was, it was full of yucks, and it was very funny. Uh, let's see if I can find Do we have any of said yucks? I'm trying to find them. We will later. All right. Okay. Well, for some reason, it's taking its time. Postponing the yucks. So uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the birthplace of hip-hop being saved. The New York City Department of Housing Preservation and Development is turning down the sale of a Bronx apartment complex said to be the birthplace of hip-hop. Senator Chuck Schumer calls the move precedent-setting. It uh, saves the home of DJ Cool Herc. I guess he's the... Uh, the granddaddy of uh, the, the fellow who, uh, well, I guess he's a... Uh, we become a city where the bus driver and the I think your image has just become wider. The salesperson uh -huh. and the messenger can't live. We're not going to have a New York City economy. Wait, that doesn't even sound like it's the right... It is. Wait, uh, okay. Senator Chuck Schumer calls the move president setting. He said the home where DJ Cool Herc gave birth to hip-hop in 1973... And the sentence just turned. It goes at market value, then I couldn't afford that. I've seen what in the area that the prices that have gone up with rent, and I could not afford to stay here. She doesn't want the birthplace of hip hop to be saved because the rent will go up. Does that make sense? Are we sure? I was just going to say, are we sure these sound bites are from this story? Yeah, they are. Because none of these people on the sound bites are talking about hip hop or cool herc. Well, this is Gloria Robertson who says she might not be able to live in her apartment. If, if it's the birthplace of hip-hop. Right. If it goes at market value, then I couldn't afford that. I've seen what in the area, that the prices that have gone up with rent, and I could not afford to stay here. So the residents want to buy up this birthplace of hip-hop to keep it from being turned into a museum where the rent would go up. Oh, I see. Okay, so they're afraid if it's made like a historical building or something. Yes. Is historical even a word, or is it just historic? Historic. I wonder historical. if that's a thing like... Like historical locations. All right. I wonder if that's a thing like moisturize, where we've made it into a word, even though it isn't. Um, but uh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, if you, if uh, so, if they make it a historic owl building, uh, then she's not going. Then the price is going to jack the price up, and she won't be able to live there. Okay, that makes sense. Um, cool Herc is actually um, he's one of the guys who's featured in a great documentary by Doug Prey called Scratch, which is all about the rise of the DJ in hip hop culture, which is a fantastic film. He's is that when they were scratching up those albums? Yes, they yes they are, Tim. They uh, the, he also did. Um, Doug Prey is the same guy that did a movie called Hype, which is all about the rise and fall of the grunge scene. So if you've seen Hype, which is a great movie, his follow-up is a movie called Scratch, which is all about the DJ culture, which is uh, it's just pretty amazing. So, All right. Uh, well, let's do one more, and then we'll break right after this. So that story was understandable. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Trey Arrow. <sighs> he pled innocent to conspiracy and arson charges against him in U.S. District Court in Portland. He's a 35-year-old environmentalist. He appeared before the judge seeking asylum in Canada since 2004 and was fighting extradition. They scheduled Arrow's trial for May 6th and ordered Trey Arrow to be held as a flight risk and a potential danger pending the trial. He is accused of taking part in the destruction of several concrete mixing tracks at Ross Island Sand and Gravel Company April 2001. 
He's also blamed for destroying logging trucks in June 2001. What does this guy actually do for a living? What are his visible means of support? Mm, I don't know. He's also well known for camping out of the ledge of the U.S. Forest Service building in downtown Portland for several days during the summer of 2000. Defecating into a box. You know, here's the thing about this guy. And you know, was it really a bucket? Mm -hmm. Did he lower it down on a piece of twine? Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, Susie, here's my waist. The thing about this guy is, and you know this is true, for every idiot guy like this that just, you know, just covered in lice and stupid, there's always a, a bunch of girls who have just enrolled at Reed College who find him really hot and will take care of him. That's the thing. That guys like this, he is the sort of uh, nutcase hippie version of one of those dirtbag musicians that always finds a series of responsible Bridget Fonda type girls to take care of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a uh, no, he's you know he's he's protecting mother earth and she's like ironing his shirts. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, f that guy. He'll get his. All right. Uh, do you want a break? Sure. Let's break through that. Come back. Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news for your enjoyment. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin, Chris Sneathan from On the Vig, and a truly wonderful slash awful top five. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. I see that Matt Peterson got something in the mail today. Maybe it's a big pile of cash. Let's see. To Matt Peterson. Rick Emerson. Rick Emerson. What year is this? Jesus. I mean, honestly. And they FedExed it. They apparently felt it was so important that Matt Peterson get this today. This is... This is a thing that can't be opened. It's a book. Ooh, what is it called? I don't know. Let's see here. Uh... Oh, now, hold on. Is it about a white woman raised by an African-American mama? <laughs> See, but don't you want to read it now? That book that just got revealed to be fake? Mm-hmm. It's like I never wanted to read that Million Little Pieces book until that guy got out of just having made the whole thing up. Um, so this is, I thought it looks like a novel, but I think it's actually a book of, it's it's like a, a nonfiction. It's an essay or whatever. This is by Jeff Gord, Gordiner. Gord, Gordiner. Gordiner. Oh God! Well, this embarrasses me. Just just looking at the cover of this, I I feel shame. I'd like to distance myself right now, and I'm going to tell you the title in a second. I'd like to distance myself right now from this book and from everything this book uh, relates to. It's called X Saves the World. How are we past things about Generation X? How Generation X got the shaft, but can still keep everything from sucking. You know, it's good because it's got an edgy title. Oh. Because it's got sucking in the title. See, because he's not going to be constrained by the man's rules of how to title a book. Jesus. Who wants this book? The Garbage Can. Powell's. That's who wants that book. All right. Uh, Jeff. Gurner. 12 bucks for that. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to thank you for buying my lunch today at Rocco's. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, Hillary went on uh, the John Stewart program last night, and it was very humorous indeed. <laughs> I took it out of pause mode, and it's loading as we speak. Senator Hillary Clinton. Senator. I'm great. How are you, John? I'm very well, uh, thank you. Senator, let me get right into this. This election is about judgment. Tomorrow is perhaps one of the most important days of your life. And yet you have chosen to spend the night before 
talking to me. <laughs> Senator, as a host, I'm delighted. As a citizen, frightened. Your response. I, I, it, is, it is pretty pathetic. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Damn it. I knew it. I knew it. How are you uh, holding up? Has it been a, a crazy whirlwind? It, it has been, but it's been also a lot of fun. Is she deciding whether or not to cry? On the campaign trail with us. You know, you could make fun of us in person instead of by remote. I really, I really prefer this. I prefer that. No, she's grinning from ear to ear. I prefer the distance. To know that you're all people with feelings, uh, it would just yeah, hurt that you would too not much. be good. No, that would not be good. Uh, are, are you finding? But that... you know, John, it really it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's just all kinds of awkward pauses. <laughs> Uh, yes, your turn. We have, we have a, a, it's obviously, it's the satellite link up. Uh, you are in Austin, Texas, and I am on Mars. Oh, so she's not, she's not actually there. So it no, be a he's satellite. in New York. She's oh, in Austin. Okay, so she's in Texas. Exactly. Okay, that explains a little bit of it. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you, are you That camera feeling, angle's not doing her any favors. Uh, no. Your face looks all wide. Old? Are you feeling a difference in these last few days? Are you finding yourself uh, gaining momentum? Are you seeing a difference in the crowds? Yeah. Find yourself gaining weight, I think. You know, I'm feeling really good. Um, <laughs> I love both. Uh, I have an endless capacity for self-delusion. States that are complex, and there's a lot of variety in each of them. You know, my first job in politics was in Texas, going down to oh South God. Texas, helping I hate these stories. voters. And there are it's still always that, too. It's always registering. And if it's a white person, it's always that they started registering voters in the of, South. You know, kind always. Of home yeah. in a way. And I love Austin. It's a great, great city. And Ohio is real salt of the earth. I spent a couple of weeks no. traveling around the state. Wow. You know, the folks in Ohio. What does that even mean? The salt of the earth. Actually, going to care about them. So I feel really good about uh, how the campaign is uh, going. I always feel bad for Ohio. Is that enough? And yeah, I, I can't imagine that we're going to get any calories out of that. Ohio is the salt of the earth. Better than us. Always remember that. People in the flyover states are better, smarter, purer, and more virtuous than all of us. They're the ones who care about families. Of course. What does that even mean to be the salt? I mean, I know what it conveys, but I don't even understand the phrase, though, the salt of the earth. That's just one of those things that we sort of, it's like when you refer to a child as, well, he's a toe-headed lad. What the hell does that mean? What does toe-headed mean? Does that mean you have a foot growing out of your face? Oh, that's what Hillary looked like in that last picture. She, uh, I mean, she dresses well. She continues to dress well, and she has great hair. The rest of her is, uh, that's a whole different story. You look at the rest of that face, it's, uh, it's a whole different bit of business. Uh, let's see, what do we got now here? She's really super wrinkly. Yeah, she really, no, she's, she's full-on wrinkly. Uh, but she herself is acknowledged. I saw today, she had some quote about, I've earned every wrinkle. Here's Tim Riley. Well, from the U.K. comes word a Polish worker has come up with an unusual excuse after being caught in the act with a vacuum cleaner. The building contractor claimed he was cleaning his underpants with Henry Hoover when he was found naked and on his knees in a hospital staff can uh, canteen. The stunned security guard stumbled upon the man in the middle of a compromising act with the vacuum cleaner, which wow. has a large smiley face painted on its front and a hose protruding from its nose. The contractor was supposed to be locking up the building uh, near the children's hospital where, he, where the film was refurbishing offices. The security guard, suitably horrified, told the man to clean himself and the Hoover before asking oh. him to leave. Oh. 
the man later said he was vacuuming his underpants, which is a common, which he claimed to be a common practice in Poland. No, in, he has been fired. His behavior is not acceptable. I feel so bad for the no, people in Poland. People will laugh. <laughs> every every time, you know, the the uh, the Polish have had a uh, they've had a difficult time of a few decades of terrible jokes, and then a guy like this, no, 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 and no, in Poland, you could, <laughs> in my country, um, so. Let me understand this. So first of all, A, they sell a vacuum cleaner that has a face painted on the front of it. A smiley face with a hose coming out of its nose. And he was caught in a compromising position with what they refer to as Henry Hoover. Mm-hmm. He then, and this was in a canteen, which is like a store or like a, like a restaurant or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Next to a children's hospital. And then the guard had to have him, quote, clean himself and the vacuum. <laughs> That's the worst sentence in that whole thing. You know, I have to say, there was a, a conversation that um, Sarah and I had off the air a few weeks ago uh, about somebody, and it ended with Sarah saying, I have absolutely no faith in men at all at this point in my life. And really, that's just another story to go on the pile. I'm not saying that women don't ever, uh, you know, whatever, engage in some sort of weird or odd sexual behavior, but they typically have the good sense not to do it with a vacuum cleaner in the middle of a restaurant at a children's hospital. So, especially not a vacuum cleaner with a face painted on. For some reason, that actually makes it worse to me. I'm just... And the vacuum is the nose. And the vacuum, and it's the nose. Like, for some reason, that just makes the whole thing more horrifying. All right, here's Tim Riley. Jesus. The Italian Supreme Court has outlawed men from touching their genitals in public. Crotch grabbing is an ancient superstition in Italy. It is believed to ward off evil spirits. It's traditionally for men to do it when they're passed by a hearse or when discussing serious illness or disasters. However, the Supreme Court ruled that a 42-year-old man from Como had broken the law by touching his genitals through his clothing. So it's like a knock wood kind of a thing? Yeah, so to speak. He said he had a compulsive environmental involuntary movement because of his uncomfortable overalls. <laughs> but the court ruled his behavior as an act contrary to public decency. And the law required everyone to abstain from that conduct, which is potentially offensive to collectively held feelings of the corpsman. Uh He was fined $3,000. Uh, the judge pointed out that if the man needed to grab his crutch, they should wait till they're in the privacy of their own home. That's crazy talk. I like the idea that it was some sort of uncontrollable tick, though. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, you were talking about Trey Arrow earlier. Yeah. And comparing him to a musician. Yeah. Uh, he actually is a musician. I of went to his website is. last night, and he has a downloadable, uh, a, a whole uh, smattering of his originals. Oh, please tell me they're terrible. Uh, they sound, to me, I, I, the first vibe I got was the typical downtown Portland open uh, guitar case with dollar bills on it. Is it a lot of, like, lesbian seagull? I That was what I thought, but, yeah. you know, I'll let you be the judge. Men I just have feelings, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, is his website just treyarrow.com? I can't remember. It's like .org. I, I, I got the link from Wikipedia when I was perusing Oh, that, God. So. He has a Wikipedia entry? Of course he does. Oh, of course. Poop so, in the box. Why there, not? There you go. Give, give him an entry. All right. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look into that. Thank you, sir. Sure thing. Excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This Hello. Is Jim. Hey, what's up? And uh, good afternoon to Sarah and Tim. Hello. 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 Uh, so, I'm calling about the Iditarod. There was a fellow that called in and said, well, you know, dogs have, dogs have died on the Iditarod. But what I want to say is, is that uh, a friend of mine does uh, dog sledding recreationally. And they enlightened me uh, about about that race and that there's, at every stop, there's veterinarians and, and the people that are racing those dogs. I mean, they take care of those dogs better than they would take care of themselves during that race. 
So it's a, so you, you don't believe the dogs are in, in any danger? Oh, no. And they, her dogs, they absolutely know what's going on. Well, it's it's weird. I mean, I guess if dogs are bred to do whatever, it's weird when you think about dogs that are bred to do uh, different things. Like there's when those, those truffle hounds, dogs that are just bred to like find mushrooms. And then there's dogs that are just bred to find to, to chase foxes or whatever. So I suppose it's a big world. All right. Well, that makes me feel better about the whole thing then. Well, and and oh, um, sitcom, sitcom living room. Yes, sir. Best one, Brady Bunch. And the Brady Bunch was okay. That gets a, that, that's a, somebody sent me a list of uh, the top five uh, sitcom families with which uh, they wouldn't want to live in. The Brady's always did seem to have a handle on things. No getting around that. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Take there care. You go. Thank you. Here's uh, Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. A man is facing a jail term after he attacked another man with his anger management homework. Justin Bodwin was on his way to an anger management class when he assaulted a 59-year-old at a bus stop. He hit the person in the face and then took out a phone to call on the police. A 63-year-old man uh, who was nearby tried to stop him, but Bodwin hit him with a blue folder, which he pulled to the ground, and he ran off. They tracked down the folder, which officers said included his anger management homework. He appeared in court and pled guilty to the assault. He will spend 100 day, uh, 20 days in jail. I always kind of wonder what anger management classes are really like, because they always assign people to those, and it's always people who are clearly just vile. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what... What those classes could pop. And first of all, let me say this. I find the issue of anger management classes to be sort of uh, kind of amusing because I like the idea of a whole bunch of people with uncontrollable rage problems all being forced to sit in a room together. All of the people are probably all impatient. They're probably all just wanting to punch things every day. And yet there's like 30 of them in a room and they're all having to you know wait their turn and listen to some other guy run his mouth. And I'm amazed that just full on brawls don't happen at anger management courses all the time. That's sort of like it's the same thing I wonder about with those one of those those things those uh it's like a like a those uh like a sexual like sex anonymous or sex sex addicts or whatever like those twelve step meetings for for sex addicts like how is it possible that those things just don't erupt in orgies every single time it just seems it's just inconceivable I almost want to do like the Fight Club thing and just go spy on one just so I can see or you know that or the anger management one just so I can see like how on the brink of chaos those meetings are. Just to go instigate, you know what I mean? That guy, that guy calls you ugly, and just you don't get an orgy. No, no, or an anger management thing. Okay. I just love the idea that there's 40 people in a room who are undoubtedly there because they beat somebody down. They're all in a room having to sit there and be quiet and listening to other people talk. So I think without too much trouble, you could just have that just erupt in a giant conflagration. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Somebody's phone is ringing. Well, who do you want answering that phone? Tim really is the question. Oh, I don't know. At 3 in the morning. Hmm. I don't know why that's happening. My cuck baby. All right. Uh, Polish police are baffled after a cyclist was badly burned when his trousers burst into flames. Mikolaj Jasinski told doctors he smelled something burning and looked down and saw his trousers were on fire. He jumped off his bike and rolled to the ground, tried to douse the flames, but separate second-degree burns to his legs, back, and stomach. Passersby spotted him lying by the side of the road, still smoking from the tattered remains of his trousers and groaning in pain. <laughs> Witnesses said he was like a human torch cycling along the road. They don't know what happened. It could have been caused by a reaction between friction as he cycled his sweat and materials from his trousers. <laughs> what do they make trousers of in Poland? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you're, or maybe what do they make? What what do they, what do they make poles of in Poland? Because if you're sweat. Is, if your sweat is actually causing your pants to catch on fire, maybe you ought to alter your diet a little bit, huh? Maybe there's. You think maybe uh maybe uh go see a doctor about that, huh? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 
Oh, this is me. Yes, it is you. Hey, uh, on the salt of the earth. Yeah. Um, I think uh, salt of the earth is what you get when you uh, water your crops with Gatorade. Uh, definition B would be, uh, you know, uh, morons. Yes, okay, funny. Good idiocracy reference. It's got electrolytes. All right, thank you. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Nike and Apple are making the iPod compatible with gym equipment. They're working together with gym equipment manufacturers and health clubs to allow members to plug their iPod Nano into cardio equipment to track workouts, set goals, and upload the information to a Nike website. This new technology is expected to hit gyms this summer. It's a major partnership for Nike Incorporated and, and Apple, which created Nike Plus technology more than a year ago. The wireless system allows some Nike shoes embedded with a sensor to communicate with the, the iPod? Your sneakers can communicate with your iPod. Yeah, huh? they, 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 for no, what reason? We, <laughs> we have the story. Why can't you wait till you get home? <laughs> no, no, I've got to do it now. Uh, I, we have the story. Your sneakers have to save your iPod. <laughs> we had this story about a year and a half ago when they first. Uh, I'm sorry, Sarah. Can I can I trouble you for some French vanilla cream? Oh yeah. I Thank thought you. you didn't like it. I never said that. No. That's a drastic revision of the text, Tim Riley. I said that. Uh, I uh, it was a thing I enjoyed sometimes. Oh, you know, in moderation. When does it, exactly? I enjoy when the mood strikes you. Yes, when I'm feeling continental. Mm. Um. So we it had is this international delight, after all. It is. Uh, we had this story about uh, a year and a half ago about this iPod, this business with the iPod talking to the shoes. And you know what? It didn't make any sense to us then either. Like, I can't, I don't know what that's for. That doesn't, uh, it makes no sense to me at all. I can understand maybe if you're, no, I can't. I was going to say your Blackberry, your phone, but I, that doesn't make any sense. I don't I can't, understand how it would talk to your shoes. Like, I don't understand what your shoes and any of your home electronics or appliances would have to say to each other. That seems your feet smell terrible. Yeah, I mean, it really. You have corns. <laughs> what are corns? Corns? Yeah. Are they like, um, you know, I was going to say, here's the thing. I was going to say they like bunions. I don't know what bunions are either. Like Actually, corns. I don't either. This is like that when we had that whole uh, rickety shingles conversation. Okay. But we did figure that out. So there's. We figure everything out eventually. There's bunions, mm -hmm. corns, calluses. I know what those are. Uh. Is that it? You don't get anything else that's weird on your feet, do you? Shingles. I don't think you get shingles on your feet. There you do. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay, but that shingles are like uh, those are like bed sores. I think we figured that out. I bed think that's what's on your feet. I think that's what I think that's what they're like. That I think that's what those are. But I don't really know what bunions are, and I don't know what corns are. But here's the thing about that is I reference it constantly because it's funny. You know what I mean? No, no, no. My mom can't. My mom's not going to come. No, she's she's at home. She's at home taking care of her corns. It's just funny. I almost, I almost don't want to know what it is, but now I know that somebody will tell us. All right. Well, in any event, are you looking up bunions or corns? No, actually, I'm looking about this uh, that hazmat response to Excalibur, about the guy who woke up and found white powder all over his bed. This is getting in the way of your vacation. It is found not to be hazardous. The man claims he woke up and there was white powder on his bed. He notified the hotel staff at Excalibur. So that's that. So it might have just been detergent or something. Yeah. Well, I suppose, I mean, if that, you know, what is, if the whole place is covered in ricin or something, I mean, it, it might make you a little skittish about that. Excalibur is kind of a cool hotel. It is, uh, it's, that's the one that has the wizard on top with the weird electronic eyes that you can see everywhere. And you get to use the spa for free. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Now, see, I was going to ask what, what sort of the decision maker was for you when it came to picking a hotel, uh, you know, in Vegas. It was across the street from the MGM. Is that no? And the MGM is where the show was. Yeah. Now, is the MGM proper too expensive to stay at? Is it is it prohibitive? Maybe a little bit more than Excalibur. All right. Okay. Yeah. The, but not by a lot. Excalibur is relatively recent too. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, 
the uh, there's the Excalibur, and then there's the uh, I want to call it the Lexus. It's not that it's the the Luxor, uh, the Luxor, which is the big the big pyramid, which is fantastic. And you know, here's the that's thing. really cool looking. And we're gonna have Aaron Duran in the studio on Friday. Uh, now, uh, Aaron, because my my wife and I had already planned on going to Vegas, and then I think Aaron and Jen are actually gonna come along with us. Um, so it's gonna be the it's gonna be the four of us. It's gonna be like that Alan Alda movie. Um, but the great thing about it is, Aaron has never been to Vegas in his life. So, which I didn't, I didn't even know that was possible. So we're going to come up with a whole list of do's and don'ts for Aaron uh, in terms of his Vegas trip later on. Uh, oh, wait, somebody knows about the uh, iPod in your shoes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Enlighten us. Okay, so my wife has it, and she's an avid runner. She runs marathons and stuff. So it just communicates with the shoes, lets you know how fast you're running, uh, how many miles you've gone. And I guess when you run, like, a personal best mile, it'll, like, clap its hands and applaud for you and say personal best. So your i so you plug your iPod into your shoes. No, you put it like a little chip goes in your shoe, and then like you you run like a mile and it calibrates, you know. And then like, and and then it tells you it gives you updates on your activity via your iPod. Correct. So, so you have your iPod and you're listening to music running and it'll it'll chime in. And it interrupts the music to go. Like, well done. Yeah. So it's sort of like a or five miles or kind of like a GPS almost, like one of those in dash. Yeah, navigation like system. That slash pedometer. Okay, interesting. All right, thank you, sir. Yep. There they go. Well, that's not entirely crazy at all. All right. Here's the Is it necessary? No, if, no, of course not. No, it's it's an American it's an American consumer good. It's the absolute definition of unnecessary. Nothing we buy here's nothing in America. I've got gum that brushes your teeth. I mean, really, honestly, nothing. You, this studio, I cleaned the studio over the weekend with a robotic vacuum cleaner. No, nothing in this country is... is At least you use it to vacuum. <laughs> Excellent callback. Here's Tim. Some Polish housekeeping. <laughs> is that going to be the slang term? I'm sorry, i got to go do a little Polish house cleaning. You know, we shouldn't put it that way. <laughs> we should... Let's not put anything that way. I f it's a, that's one of those things that I think has been denied to us uh, because of 20 years of, of idiot Archie Bunker guys telling uh, Polish jokes. And my dad, goddamn, my dad was stupid. Just never met anything he loved more than a Polish joke. Uh, and there was a, a a different term that was that was used for them. Um, but my dad never never met a Polish joke. He did not. And, and I might tell you this: my dad also had a huge problem with uh, with the church. And so it was like the best of all possible worlds. My dad, when Pope John Paul II got elected or whatever, because he was Polish. And so the idea that there was a Polish pope that was like the Tigris and Euphrates of humor for my dad. So anyway, so because of those like twenty years of Polish jokes, which I think we. I think we're sort of not allowed to do that for like another decade. So let's not refer to it as Polish vacuuming. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> that was a gimme. <laughs> it really was. It's and God help me, it was funny. I can do a little Polish house cleaning. I'll be back in about five minutes. Here's well, some of the things in that country are inconvenient. I've been there before. <laughs> when you go into the airport, you have to lug your luggage up a steep hill. Really? <laughs> no. That must have been one of Stalin's creations to punish the Polish. <laughs> it's two miles up the straight arrow of hauling your luggage. It's not. It's not a thing just to keep you fit. It's something that he put there to, to uh, just to crush the spirit, mm -hmm. just a bit, just to, to discourage you from actually visiting. But I remember being in a hotel room, 
And the government's crumbling, but thank goodness they had the Cartoon Channel, and I felt so American <laughs> locking my door and watching the Cartoon Network as the government is crumbling around me. Sitting there watching C-Lab 2020 where there's and tanks the running the night, over protesters. The middle of the night, the only thing you hear is one pair of high heels walking down the street, and you wonder, <laughs> is that the sole streetwalker of Warsaw? <laughs> Q forms at left. Uh, Jesus. All right. I, speaking of Polish streetwalkers... This whole thing sounds like we're, this entire conversation sounds like we're on the precipice. No, I'm I'm speaking the truth of someone who's been there, spent time there. I haven't been there or spent time there, but I will say this. I have to tell you, I've known uh, a couple different women in my life who were uh, Polish. I mean, literally, like, from, from, like, grew up there in, like, Warsaw or whatever, and then now here. Just unbelievably hot. I don't know, uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, I was going to say if it's a whole thing with that part of the world, but I know that there are certain countries there where the women look a little mannish or uh, can seem a little uh, a little butch. But I will tell you, the the couple women I've known in my life that moved here, that were born and raised and moved here from Poland, were just unbelievably hot, just just scorchingly so. So, uh, anywho, all right, well let's move on, shall we? Say so here's something that should be the top story, but since Anna Nicole Smith is kind of old news, this kind of ended up on like page 33, the very bottom. An L.A. judge has made Anna Nicole's toddler daughter her sole heir. Yeah, in your face, everybody. She'll inherit the former Playboy model's estate. 18-month-old Daniel Lynn Hope, was she related to Bob Hope also, was named sole heir by Superior Court Judge Mitchell Beckloff, who also set up a trust fund in the girl's name. So her dad, Larry Burkhead, and Smith's executive, Larry K. Stern, or Harry K. Stern, will be co Trustees now, but who has? Is it Larry Burkett has custody of her, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're co-trustees, but they don't get anything. No, like they get they get bupkis. Mm -hmm. Excellent, that's deeply satisfying. Wonderful. I so, kind of forgot she existed. She drafted a will in 2001, five years before the child was born, that left her estate to their her then only son Daniel. However, it said the assets in Daniel's trust should be shared equally if she had future children. So she gets it all. But then, wait, if, if she, if Anna Nicole had had future children, or if Daniel Lynn grows up and has children? Anna Nicole. So if she had had other kids, mm. they would be distributed equally. Right. So Daniel Lynn could inherit millions if the estate wins that ongoing court fight. With Howard, with what's his name, Howard with, Smith. With J. Howard, no, Howard K. Smith was the ABC News, J. Howard Marshall. J. Howard Marshall. We've been through this. Howard, Howard Smith. Smith. I, He's credited with doing a lot of things. He was only an ABC I impregnated Anna Nicole Smith, and good evening. So, we'll find out what happens. Fantastic. So, they've been fighting over that will for years. I mm. forgot that, you know, all that stuff has been put in the deep storage basement in my mind. All of the Anna Nicole. Hey, by the way, speaking of Anna Nicole Smith uh, and Dead Blondes, so, has anybody seen, and I know the answer to this is no, the cover of this month's Rolling Stone, on the cover of the Rolling Stone? Nobody month? nobody subscribes to Rolling Stone anymore. Nobody subscribes, nobody reads. You know, uh, Chris Paddock, who uh, is the PD at KUFO, he still subscribes to Spin Magazine, because I saw Zinn reading it the other day. I sort of forgot that magazine even existed. Hey, who reads music magazines at this point? But uh, I would encourage you, don't buy it, certainly. But the next time you're at the Plaid Pantry or whatever, um, pick up and look at the cover of this month's Rolling Stone, or if you can find it online. It's pretty great. It's early, but it's great. It is a huge, takes up the full cover, close-up shot of, like, bangs to chin, Big black and white photo of Britney Spears. I have seen that. And one. it says an American tragedy on the front. And here's the thing. They did it too soon because it looks like a death cover. Or they must have been banking on the fact that she would die. I mean, they have to have been. 
they have to have assumed she was going to cack it. Because it's a, I will say this, it's a gorgeous cover. It really is. It's a beautifully done magazine cover. But it's way too soon because when she really does die, now they'll have nothing to run. Um, but check out the cover of this month's Rolling Stone magazine. It's, it's, a, it's, it's beautiful, but it's sort of creepy because you can tell it was designed for, for the day when she just offed herself. So uh, anyway, so, uh, so go check that out. It's pretty interesting. Here's Timothy Riley. A child's birthday party at a Chuck E. Cheese was cut short after a fight broke up between two mothers. Enoch, Massachusetts police say the mom of a nine-year-old birthday boy apparently became enraged because the other woman's son was hogging a video arcade game. Catherine Egler and Tarsha Williams, both of Boston, will be summoned into court to answer charges of simple assault and batteries stemming from the scuffle. Uh, the policeman told the uh, newspaper that uh, police received a 911 call about the fight Saturday night. What started out to be a birthday celebration turned into a birthday melee. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. <laughs> That's the gift that keeps on giving. Also at a Chuck E. What's, what the hell's going on at Chuck E. Jean's restaurant? And first of all, who still takes their kids to Chuck E. What child is still amused by Chuck E. Cheese? You know, that's a whole, you know, here's the thing. Chuck E. Cheese, that is a deal that parents are now doing for themselves because they remember how great it was when they were kids. Your child is not amused by Chuck E. Cheese. At this, and let, really, unless your child has some sort of mental problem. <laughs> They're no longer, they are not. I'm amazed that that place is even still in business because, I mean, the pizza was decent, but, I mean, first of all, those big creaky animatronic things either look dated or frightening, depending on what kind of child you are. And the video games, I mean, I, stand-up arcade video games, that's a thing of the past. In ten years, they won't even exist. I'm kind of amazed when I see them somewhere now. Yeah, but rodents that love children are part of the American way. <laughs> that really is true. Celebrating imaginary rodents. That is, that is part of our, our national tapestry. You're right about that. So, uh, you know who uh, created Chuck E. Cheese? No. Nolan Bushnell, uh, founder of Atari. That guy had a big streak go. Nolan Bushnell founded Atari uh, and Pong. That, that was his thing. Pong and then Atari, then Worlds of Wonder, which created Laser Tag, and then Chuck E. Cheese. That guy had a real streak uh, going for a while. So uh, Chuck E. Cheese is uh, it is sort of a relic of a bygone era. Go, go see them while they're still there. By the way, somebody says, Rick, I was downtown the other day across from the Federal Building. I saw what I believe were Trey Arrow supporters, all hippie types. Some were banging on drums. At one point, a lady was blowing bubbles all around. Oh, God damn, God. I hate hippies. She says, nobody had any signs. They were just standing around banging on things. I'm not sure what point they thought they could communicate by banging on things. They don't need a point, sir. They're hippies. They have nowhere to be. Here's Tim Riley. All the eater daffodils. <laughs> a Seattle, Washington woman is the new record holder for the world's longest boomerang throw. The record-setting toss came at a sanctioned event at the Boomerang Association gathering in Tucson, Arizona. Seattle resident Betsy Lou Maley Gix. Betsy Lou Maley Gix hurled a boomerang into the air. Watch it fly for three are minutes you, and 49 seconds before catching it. Are you speaking in, uh, like, uh, anagrams? Her name is Betsy Lou Maley Gix. Okay. Uh, it beat the old record of 39 seconds. Miss Maley Gix is the only woman to ever hold the maximum time aloft record. The world record thrower said she had no idea that she was close to the record until she caught the boomerang and was approached by the event judge who gave her the happy news. American Idol contestant Daniel Hernandez once entertained audiences by removing his clothing instead of singing tunes. And he did it at a male strip club in Phoenix. The 24-year-old finalist from Glendale, Arizona, once worked as a stripper at Dick's Cabaret. 
Uh, he appeared fully nude and performed lap dances for the club's mostly male clientele. Excellent. Good for him. He had the look and the type that people like, so he made pretty good money. It's not clear whether history as a stripper could disqualify him, but probably not. In 2003, Frenchie Davis was dismissed because of her appearance on an adult website. But last year, Antoinella Barber remained in the competition after racy photos of her surfaced on the Internet. Is Frenchie Davis, was she the black girl that got kicked off because they, uh, th there had been a bunch of uh, blue photographs of her circulating around? Is that the girl I'm thinking of? Yes. Kind of a kind of a bigger, a bigger girl. girl and she had like the butt, blonde hair. Yeah, okay, I yeah. remember her. Yeah, um, I don't remember if she was attractive or not. Yeah, and then in the last season, that was. Aren't we approaching the time in America though where every single person at some point has nude photographs of themselves just floating around on a website? I mean, really, it does. It's kind of strange when you think about this actually. That uh, I hate to sound like one of those old guys. I hate to sound like my grandfather. But uh, the kids today and their MySpace and and their cell phones and everything. And there does seem to be, and don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about this. I'm not saying things used to be better. I'm not bemoaning the, the crumbling moral decay, whatever. It does seem to be that there is a laxening, is that a word? Whatever. There's, there's a, uh, 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 there, there is a relaxing of social, of, of, of sort of sexual ethics or mores sort of happening in society. Like I just read some other story the other day about how some school somewhere was all up in arms because kids were, Boyfriends and girlfriends were taking, like, cell phone photos of their junk and then he's sending them back and forth in class. And, like, so by the end of the day, like, everybody at school would have a picture of the cheerleader's boobs. And so, and all of that stuff ends up on the Internet. And, you, you, know, every, you know, every other day there's a story about some MySpace account that a parent is upset about because it's a picture of her daughter doing the whole football team or whatever. So you do sort of fast forward in your head and you think, what with the proliferation of social networking sites the continued popularity of things like webcams, cell phones, all of that stuff, that in 10 years, you're going to have like a full third of the populace who have nude or pornographic photos of themselves floating around on the Internet, it, which is, I guess at a point, it won't even matter then. Like you go into a job interview, it won't even matter if the guy interviewing you saw your uh, breasts uh, yesterday on the Internet because, because everybody has them out there. So it's sort of a, it's a strange, it's kind of a weird world we're living in now. Well, get used to it. Yes, I am. I'm embracing it, Tim. A first beauty is gone from the new season of America's Top Model. 18-year-old student Italia was eliminated after being sold, being told she looked being too commercial. Sold. The Brooklyn uh, New York dating <laughs> says she's glad to have made it as far as she did. I'm so happy I made it in the house because uh, for Cycle 10, a lot, a lot of girls really auditioned for that show. And like Tyra said, it was a tough decision for her. And I'm glad that she picked me as one of the people to be in the house. So I'm really happy about that. Natalia said she was prepared for what it would be like living in an apartment on the show. I kind of prepared myself for the drama and, uh, you know, living with 13, 14 girls. It's going to be hard. So it was cool, though, for the time that I was there. It, w it was a lot of fun. Well, okay. Madonna will not be performing when she's indicted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next week. Instead, Iggy Pop. We'll sing her songs. What? Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's weird. That's that the worst weird. mismatch of the it day. Is. That according to RollingStone.com. Does it say what songs? There is a connection between the two. Madonna and Iggy are both from Detroit. Iggy and his band, the Stooges, also opened uh, for Madonna in Ireland back in 2004. Are Iggy and the Stooges in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Does anybody know? I don't know. Seems like they would have to be. So yeah. Iggy Pop is going to sing Madonna songs? Yeah, it doesn't say what they're going to be, though. I'm trying to think right now of what... I mean, I'm just picturing him writhing on a bed in black and white, singing Justify My Love while smearing peanut butter on himself. I, 
All right, well, in your head. <laughs> whatever. Well, that, because that's his thing, because that was the Iggy Pop's thing used to be. First of all, put on a shirt. You're like 100 years old. I love Iggy Pop. I really do. But put on a goddamn shirt, will you please, for the love of God. He, he, fans of the old EC comic books will know that he doesn't look like the Crypt Keeper. He does look like the old witch, who is one of the three storytellers of the old EC comics. That's what Iggy Pop was, just a bunch of lank, weird, pale zombie hair, just all wrinkly, and always nude from the waist up. You're like a thousand years old. Stop it. But he used to get out on stage, and he would, like, roll around in broken glass, or he would, like, he very famously would, yes, he would smear peanut butter on his nude torso while singing, uh, you know, which was maybe interesting or hot or whatever, like 40 years ago. Not so much now. So the idea of Iggy Pop singing Madonna songs is just really strange. Well, all right. Justin Timberlake will induct Madonna into the hall that very same night. It takes place Monday the 10th at New York's famed Waldorf Astoria Hotel. And VH1 Classic will broadcast this event well, live. Remind me to miss that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, I just wanted to relate my Beatles story. I just got inducted into their world. Yes, sir. Yeah, I went to the Lumberjacks game on Saturday, and they were uh, handing out free samples, so now I'm out hunting for it, and I found them at uh, 7-Eleven in Hillsboro. And? And it's quite yummy. Excellent. Fantastic. So it was your first experience with it, and you find it to be a satisfying beverage. Yes, it is satisfying. And I like the fact that they don't play the label game, meaning you don't go like... Uh, you know, no calories per serving, but there's 20 servings in the bottle. Seriously, or that, here's the thing, they uh, like I noticed this on a bag of candy corn, with a fat-free food, uh, which I won't uh, I won't say who, but I know somebody who I saw eating like a full pound bag of candy. I know, I remember this. A full pound bag of candy corn. It's sh fine. <laughs> shoveling into his mouth, and I'm like, dude. And he's like, no, 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 it's fat-free. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Glad you enjoyed it, sir. Yeah, it's fat-free, but it still has 180 calories per serving, really? and it's four pizzas per serving. It's fat-free until it gets into your stomach, at which point your body makes it into ass fat. Yes. You uh, know, it's like the, the energy drink. It's like 180 calories, and you're looking at it going, oh, 180 per can, and you're reading it's like three servings. Nine servings. Can. Yeah, and the, then the can is like 1,000 calories. Yeah. All right, XO, I'm glad you enjoyed the the, uh, the uh, Viso spring. Uh, Viso you can find out more at drinkviso.com always. All right, thank you. No problem. Excellent. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, more work and less stress make for a drowsy employee. Many workers are sleeping an average of almost 40 minutes less, taking a toll on body and mind. The National Sleep Foundation, Pueblo, Colorado, says most people <laughs> say the heavier workload at home and additional work at home is the lack of shut-eye. On the average, the workday will begin about 5.35 a.m. with a 47-minute commute, only to work for nine and a half hours. And finally, home, most folks spent an additional four and a half hours each work night, uh, only to hit the sack around 10.53 p.m. What a useless story that is. It's <laughs> an oddly specific figure. It is. Uh, last night, I will say this, I, I did exercise <clears throat> a little bit of self-control because I, I watched half an episode of Dexter last night, and finally I just had to call it, and I was just too late. And I just had gotten behind with crap, and I'm like, well, I want to try to get an episode watched. And so I got about halfway through it, and I'm... Just started looking at the clock and realizing just what a what a bastard of a morning it was going to be if I if I stayed all the way you know stayed up until one a.m. or whatever. So I finally just pulled the ripcord and went to sleep. Uh, Todd the corpse weighs in about Madonna and says um, Iggy Pop might be singing Ray of Light. Oh, that just sounds bad. And he says uh, I've also heard some rock versions of Like a Prayer. It will be painful in any event. Yeah, there's there's no there's no call for that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Wow, what a what a stream of conversation there! Hey, uh, corns, bunions, shingles—I know things. 
Uh, my first question is on corns. If you have corns, does that make it better or worse when you're playing cornhole? Okay, second point. Try again. <laughs> At least he's just plowing on through. <laughs> well, you know, I ain't stopping for nobody here. Um, corns are actually like a big a callus, just a big hard callus on the side of your foot, whereas a bunion is like a buggered up uh, joint. A buggered up joint. <laughs> what is the difference then between a callus and a corn? Um, I believe a corn is, is basically it, it builds up bigger, whereas callus is kind of more of an overall surface kind of a thing. You can build up like a callus on your hand. Or you don't or, really know things, do you? I You're guessing. Know. Here's you 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 guess at things. A corn is is like where if you build up such a callus on the side of your toe that it actually bulges out because it's so <laughs> thick. That's disgusting. Shingles, and, shingles. My mother has shingles right now. And, and how proud how proud <laughs> you must be. Well, it's just, you know, everybody takes pride where they can. Um, and, and it's kind of more like related to uh, chicken pox. It's like a chicken pox thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. And one last thing. Uh-huh. Did you guys happen to see the uh, airplane landing deal uh, in Germany? Oh, I saw a thing about that, but I didn't actually see it. Uh, it was some, there was some mishap on the runway, right? Well, I mean, it'll make fascinating radio for you to go onto uh, YouTube and what, watch Give it. us the, the bottom line. What happened? Um guy comes in for a landing and has got like some hellacious winds and uh, as he's coming down all of a sudden the plane rocks to one side and then tips away to the other side where the wing missed the ground by like a foot or so oh. might have even tapped it oh that's creepy and, and then halfway through the attempted landing he just like guns it and, and, and hopes for the best and, and uh, manages to pull it back up and off the ground again I'll wait but... until somebody here is flying then we'll watch it oh good well that should be soon you're going to uh, uh, Vegas it is true it's true thank you sir bye alright there you go alright Here's Tim Riley. Well, when a man who was suspected of drunk driving in Longview refused to give blood and urine samples, he was taken to the hospital. His lawyer said he was held down, kicking and screaming for a blood draw, and a tube was inserted into his bladder to withdraw that uh, urine. Uh, we're going into the bladder right now, whether you like it or not. Well, this is in Kelso, Longview. A settlement with Cowlitz County was reached, in which the man was paid $15,000 without authorities admitting they did anything wrong. So let's tell everyone his name. Matthew Clifford Arthur was on probation at the time of his arrest. Well, he was required to undergo screening for drugs and alcohol. When he refused, his lawyer said he was taken to jail instead of the hospital, where he was uh, apparently a tube was inserted into his bladder. Now, that's not a catheter, is it? I'm not sure. Is that a uh, a catheter? I think that might be a catheter. I mean, I think that is. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, well, it's only fifteen thousand dollars. But they can do that to me for fifteen thousand dollars. Hell, as, as Sarah and I have said it, we saw that thing at Fantasy where they shock your urethra with like a billion volts or whatever. And people pay for that. That thing was like a hundred and ninety dollars. So is that a service of Fantasy Video? Uh, well, it's not. It's not. Not like an in-call service or anything. I you you buy it. Uh, it looks just like a little guitar effects pedal. It looks like an effects pedal the guitarist has. It's like a it's like a little square box with two knobs on it, and some little wiry things come out. And I guess you just jam them into your urethra, and you you hit start or something, and then that's a whole lot of electricity inside you. Which really, I, I mean, you know, I'm for whatever anybody wants to do. I don't pass Is judgment. But... By underwriters laboratories. <laughs> I it just seems like I don't know. Let me put it this way: I don't want to dwell on shooting electricity into your urethra. <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of do, actually, because I am sort of fascinated by things like that, because the idea, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm not passing judgment, but I am just sort of curious, the idea that you would at some point arrive at shooting electricity into your urethra, you know, for some sort of sexual gratification, is just intriguing, because I wonder how you would ever think of that. 
Yeah, how, how you'd finally come to that conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Like, someone had to be like, well, uh... Well, there's nothing on TV tonight. 130 channels and nothing on. That's exact right. That's right. You know, well, uh, Jesus, uh, Survivor Man's not on until nine. <laughs> I got time to kill. You have any weed? No. Huh. Want play Scrabble? No. Yeah, I got my bicycle's got a flat tire. Hey, do you want to jam something into my urethra and then shock me with it? I I just don't know how you get from A to 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 Z there. So, I guess we'll never know. It's one of those things that can't be known. All right. Uh, let's do uh, one more, and then uh, I'm, I'm sad we never did the glutton quiz, though. I almost feel like instead of doing one more, we had to do the glutton quiz. Did you take the glutton quiz, Tim? No. Do you still have it? I sent you the link. Somewhere. Uh, Sarah, did you take the glutton quiz? No, I have it. Yeah, you sent it to me, though. We should take the glutton quiz, uh, and then we'll find out if we're gluttons, and then uh, whatever. We can take the quiz, and then do the results on the other side of the break. Okay. And we got some other stuff to get to. Chris Neathan with us later on, Peter Carlin, a great-slash-terrible top five, and uh, so forth. All right. Uh, I can resend a link if you need it, Tim. Let me look here. All right. Sure I would I have, have sent this to you uh, to your other email account uh, yesterday. This is from... Uh, I think it's like a Weight Watchers test or some crap. Um, uh, but it's a, the quiz. Yeah, I don't know where. It's it's an embedded thing, but I think it is. I think it is actually from Weight Watchers. Okay. It says quiz. Are you a glutton? Over I'm just seeing Oprah's face everywhere. Uh, overeating is the easiest route to gluttony, but not the only way. Take a quiz to find out if you're overconsuming. Uh, and then it's like I don't know, it's like ten questions or something. So uh, let me know when y'all are. Uh, Oh, you all are prepared. Mine is uh, still loading here. Your computer uh, seems to have some sort of ailment today. I know it does. There seems to be some kind of a... Uh, well, it was moving my uh, arrow around. It is. See, it's kind of weird. And you know, here's the thing. When I, when I talk, I don't mean to, 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 to knock on Troy about this, because he's a great IT guy. Oh, he's awesome. But when I explained that my mouse was moving around by itself, he did sort of give me that arched eyebrow that the IT guys go do when they automatically assume that you're not lying as such, but just that you've done something wrong or you're making a mistake. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. Uh, in the airport, you buy a jumbo bag of M&Ms for a two-hour flight. Uh, one, is the bag empty before you push away from the gate? Two, the bag is empty by the time you arrive. Three, you have a few and save the rest to share with your ride. Okay. Okay. Uh, has everybody answered? Yes. All right. Two, your justification for owning a vehicle that gets low gas mileage is... None. I drive an economy model. I can't afford a new one. I feel safer in it. I need the power or haulage, or I just like it. So apparently this is gluttonous behavior, like for your whole life. Mm -hmm. All right. Three. How frequently do you send food back in a restaurant? Never. Only when it's spoiled. Often. Every time I eat out. Next. Now, must you have an answer every time? Um, well, I, I know, because like the M&M's one, I never buy a jumbo bag of M&M's. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know really what to I, do with that. I immediately had an answer to that because I jumbo, I buy jumbo bags of things all the time. So, uh, I don't know. You know, I think if you leave a blank, it might take that into consideration. I guess we'll find out. Uh, let's see. How often do you expect your spouse or certificate other to call you? Hourly? Twice a day? Daily? Uh, let's see. I'll, uh, there we go. Let's see. Here's one I, I have no idea. Divide the square footage of your home by the number of people living there. What do you get? Yeah. Mm. Tim immediately knows it, of course. Tim has like a Tim has a spreadsheet in his head. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. How many televisions are on your household? None. One to three. Four to six. More than six. 
More than six, really? Wait, you're, but mine's different than yours. Mine says one to two, three to five, and more than five. Oh, I'm sorry. I was reading the wrong question. Okay. There. Yeah, that's me. Uh, how many magazines do you subscribe to? None. One to three, four to six, more than six. All right. Uh, let's see. Which best describes you? Uh, too much is not enough or waste not, want not. I'm a big waste not, want not kind of guy. How many free minutes do you have on your cell phone service? 30 to 60, 100, 500, more than 500, or I do not own a cell phone. All right. How often do you get drunk? <laughs> Never. Quarterly. I like the idea that it's quarterly, too. That has a sort of, that has a sort of business-like feel to it. Well, it's time for my thrice yearly drunken bender. Never quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. All right. Let's see. You see a yard sale full of stuff you don't really need. You either skip it because you don't need more clutter or buy something because it's such a good deal. All right. Do you buy coffee that costs more than $1 per cup, more than twice a day, more than twice a week, rarely or never? All right. And finally, at the movies... Do you get the small popcorn and finish it, get the medium popcorn and finish it, get the jumbo popcorn and finish it, or get the jumbo and not quite finish it? All right. Okay. All right. Around the corner, we'll find out if we are, in fact, gluttons. Uh, all right. Say that. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up later on, uh, Peter Carnival will join us, Chris Sneathan, top five, uh, more from Tim Riley's data. It's the Rick Emerson Show. going to Powell's today. I have another one for your Powell's trip. What is it? Let me stand alone the journals of Rachel Corey. Here you go. Who's she? Who's Rachel Corey? Does she own one half of this whole town? She's standing alone. Rachel Corey killed by a bulldozer at 23. What? Is this a... What is this book? I think they're her journals before she was killed by the bulldozer. The journals of a girl who was run over by a bulldozer. Howells, done. It's like sky high. Sidekick. All right. Uh, have we all completed the gluttony quiz? Yes. 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 All right. So let's uh, let's deduce exactly how gluttonous we are. Then we'll do some news with Tim Riley. I believe Peter Carlin will join us after that. Uh, Chris Neven coming up in the next hour. Uh, and uh, we have a uh, great slash horrible top five. All right. Are we all hitting submit? Yes. Yes. Hitting submit now. Have you seen Sky High with Bruce Campbell? No. It's not a bad film at all. It's actually pretty. Uh, it's actually pretty charming. Oh, the other one is Kurt Russell in that too. Kurt Russell. Uh, I forget the mom. Uh, Kurt Russell, blah blah blah, mom and Bruce Campbell, and it's about the. It is about a high school uh, where the children of superheroes go uh, to develop their superhero skills. And there's a great scene uh, early on where the kids are in a gymnasium and they're being either assigned as hero or sidekick, and so they come up and they demonstrate their superpower. And Bruce Campbell, based on the superpower, it delegates them to one of. So a kid comes up and he can like fly or he can lift up a car. And Bruce Bruce Campbell goes superhero. And then one kid comes up and like, and like his uh, his ability is like geraniums shoot out of his fingertips or something. <laughs> Bruce Campbell goes sidekick. And then they all. And so the sidekicks are all like the kids who were picked late for uh, for gym class. All right, I scored a 
Hey, I scored a 7 on a scale of 0 to 41. Wow. Hmm. Spiritually, Rick Emerson, you might be a little bit too thin. You, you are not about me. not gluttonous at all. How about you, Sarah? I'm, I got a 14. <laughs> but that's, no, mine's perfect. The angels won't oh. have any trouble hoisting you to heaven. That's right. what it said about me. That was a dumb quiz. What's that was a stupid quiz. Never do that again. Here's waste of time doing that. Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. I wish I were dead. now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I scored a 12 on a scale of 0 to 41. It said, spiritually, I'm a bit too thin. By the way, speaking of that, uh, I noticed that somebody's been using our scale. I came in today and the scale was over by the door, which means that somebody's grubby feet uh, have been on the scale when we're not in here. Remember that is a shame. Give it an extra good wiping later. Here's Tim yeah. Riley. Well, uh, being Election Day, the Cleveland Clinic said it may be stressful for some voters. Who said the that? The stress isn't so much in voting as long as you feel that there's a point in voting. The stress comes at times when people feel they're helpless and hopeless when their vote's not going to make a difference. It's not. It's not. Where's that? Cleveland Clinic. Thank vote you. your conscience. Vote how you feel and feel rewarded for being a part of a democratic process, which a lot of countries don't have. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Some people just can't get enough attention. <laughs> I was just going to say, your, your vote is meaningless, really. I know I'm not supposed to say that, and I know that there was that whole CBS campaign to, to demand that you go vote, but, you know, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> really, it's, there's, there's no point to it. All right. News for the ladies. People Magazine has tips for updating your spring wardrobe. In the new Style Watch issue, it aims the fashion must-haves for spring. Feature editor Joyce Chang says, first and foremost, you need to brighten up with fuchsia, apple green, and yellow. Sarah? The big story is bright colors. We're going to be seeing a lot of that. And it really just says spring. It's fresh. It's fun. And it's wow. an instant mood boost. It kind of what? brings spring state of mind. That voice is terrible. What is it with it? What is it with her voice that there's something uniquely grating? That's like Hillary grating. All right. I have several sound bites from her, but they only <laughs> picked two. Let's play them all. Uh, Joyce Chain describes what the uh, spring trend of ombre fabric is. What is that, Joyce? Ombre is a dyeing process, so it's sort of about a gradient of color. And if you have an ombre top, it's lighter on top, and it sort of moves and fades out into a stronger color on the bottom. This is made up. This is a bunch of made up crap. Uh, there's <laughs> this is just this is I read a great blog the other day um, by this guy Maddox, who a lot of people know. Uh, he's sort of a he, he writes a, a very, very widely read. Um, I hate to say ranty because it, but it, you know, just sort of these very sharp pointed essays. And he was talking about colors of lipstick and he had this great essay where he talked about. He showed three, and he was showing, it was like a snapshot of some lipstick catalog where it was red, but it was like 69, you know, different colors of red. You know, it was like all like, you know, midnight rose or whatever. And he pointed out, he's like, there is red, dark red, and light red. That's all there is. Quit saying there are other colors of red. So, true or not, it was actually pretty funny. And that's sort of what that reminds me of. Well, Reese Witherspoon and Jake Gyllenhaal are rapidly approaching their one-year anniversary. And over the weekend, they returned to the town where rumors of the romance first surfaced. On Sunday, the lovebirds, dressed in black coat, black pants, and dark shades, were snap exiting a New York boutique with a dreamy-eyed cardigan by Mr. Rogers' sporting actor. <laughs> Is he in the Mr. Rogers Syntax movie? Syntax confusing story, this in. Apparently, he's in a new Mr. Rogers movie. I don't understand. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal was wearing a Mr. Rogers sweater. 
The sweater was dreamy-eyed. Yes. He was toting a large shopping bag. As the Oscar-winning mother of two followed a few paces behind. Well, that like is, as, as is her place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Did she speak when spoken to? Then they returned to Los Angeles. All right. I thought that I thought that they had broken up. I don't know. All right. I guess I don't really care. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do uh, two more here, and then we will be joined by uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Scientists went upon a new way to keep people from getting fat. Researchers at University College in London found two-celled proteins that relax the stomach to allow people to eat a big meal without worrying about it. They suspect that if a drug blocked this muscle reaction, it would cut a person's ability to gorge on large amounts of food. Oh, that's not true. Yes, it is. The proteins uh, control fast and slow relations of the stomach. The human gut can go from the size of a tube of toothpaste, when not being used, which is never, to the size of a soda (laughs) bottle when activated. Currently, researchers are looking for drugs that might block this human trait. But I mean, I just don't. Uh, but I just don't believe that because I believe. Here's the thing: if people who want to overeat, and I'm not excluding myself from that, will just overeat regardless. I mean, isn't, isn't that when people get their stomach stapled? Don't the doctors always have to give you those uh, that warning about like don't, like you know, really we we mean it. Like don't go screwing around because your stomach will explode. Like the, I think when who was that? Uh, what's her guts from Wilson Phillips? So Carney Wilson, Carney Wilson. Who was the fat one? Carney Wilson, who uh, she had her stomach like stitched in half or something, and uh, she gave this one. But the doctor told her that you know you get these people like, well, I, I now it's fine. I can eat all I want. They magically think that somehow it just stops you from gaining weight. And so somebody will go home and they'll have like an entire ham, uh, and then the next thing you know, here's like a pop, 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 pop in your abdomen, and then you got to go back to the hospital. So all right. Plans for a reality show starring Lindsay Lohan's mother and sister are officially on the way. The E! has announced that the series, tentatively titled Living Lowen, will debut on the channel this summer. The show will follow mother of four Dina Lowen as she juggles her family life and tries to launch 14-year-old Allie Lowen's entertainment career. Uh. Mm-hmm. Dina's two sons, 11-year-old Cody and 20-year-old college student Michael, will also be the focus of the program. Dina has said previously that 21-year-old Lindsay is willing to lend a helping hand and appear on Living Lowen as well, if Allie wants her to. Dina and her children's father, Michael, split several years ago. Two things. One, here's a fascinating idea for a reality show. It's a reality show where you just get the mothers of F-up, uh, of F-up uh, spoiled idiot kids, and you get them in the room and you just scream, what did you do wrong at them, mm. until they break down and cry. Like the Spears mom, like Lynn Spears. Seriously, where you just put her in a room and you just yell at her uh, until she just gives up the fact that she's a bad parent. B, um... Don't you think it's about time for that Jamie uh, that Jamie Spears book about or Lynn Spears, Britney's mom, that book she wrote about how to raise how to raise a successful happy daughter? Isn't it about time that that leaks on the internet, uh, sort of OJ, I did it style? I demand that that be leaked on the internet right now so that I can read it and have vicarious amusement. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three. 2970, uh, coming up here just a skosh. Uh, we will talk to Chris Neathan from uh, On the Vig later on, a fantastic top five, and so forth. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian. Currently on sabbatical working on his book about Sir Paul, uh, our good friend Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? How's life? How are things? Things are things are fine, thank you. So is your whole existence like that Adam comic strip now where you're just sitting around in an ill-fitting flannel shirt? Well, no, but I mean, I mean, sartorially, excuse me, sartorially, no, but there's a certain amount of sitting around, and there's and there's a lot of uh, finger gnawing, not a lot of work so far. But, finger gnawing. Yeah. 
That just sounds really unpleasant, isn't it? Uh, so how? So you're what? You're off for like two months, something like that? Yeah, this time two months, and I'll take more time in the winter. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, so I got a few emails yesterday, people asking why I had not discussed the wire. <laughs> pardon me, the wire episode nine, and it's because uh, we didn't get a hold of you, and blah 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 blah. And I, I didn't sort of want to do it without you because your observations about that show were always valued. So. <laughs> Um, well, because and really because you're one of like three people in the entire Portland area that watches that show. So, um, do we? By the way, do we know? I mean, is there? Do, does HBO ever re- release ratings figures or? Because I mean, they don't rank in the Nielsen's like a regular. They have like a separate listing or something, don't they? Um. Yeah, I guess I, <laughs> they track. No, I think Nielsen does track. Um, who, how many people are watching that show, or 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 HBO does, and, and yeah, they have been talking about it, and the numbers are not good per se. So, um, and in fact, I think they may even be down from last season, uh, which doesn't even seem possible. I mean, it seems like if if, if the wire was really going to have any traction, it would be this season because there's been so much ramping up about you know about it being the the, you know, the final uh, the final year and everything. All right. Yeah. Well, it's a difficult show. It's it's you know it's one of these shows that like even. You know, I I I found I, I I found it a little less difficult to watch this year, but last year with the kids. Oh God! It was difficult. I mean, it was a hugely. I mean, it was powerful, and it was like. I, but it was sort of like having to brace yourself because you knew that you were going to see something that was going to be so, um, you know, such a a piercing examination of stuff that's actually going on and is like the worst stuff that's going on. Well, every episode was just like an acid bath for your soul. Exactly. So it's like, and how can you, you know, most people want to watch American Idol, you know, and that's just an, you know, an acid bath for your ears or something. <laughs> it is always, see, this is the sort of pithy commentary that Tim Riley, by the way, you may know that Tim Riley did, did pronounce that Absent your column, he pronounced the Oregonian totally useless. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> he actually said, without Peter Carlin, this is just a waste of trees. And then he sort of, like, dismissively threw it to the floor of the studio. Rock on, dude. <laughs> um, but it's hard to describe The Wire also in some ways as being entertaining. Um, because, you, because, you, because you sort of feel like an ass saying that because so much of it is just human misery. It's kind of like saying, that's oh, Schindler's List. That's a really entertaining film. Like you well, just, but it's not you know. quite that that horrendous. And then there are moments in the show, I mean, in, in every episode that are hysterically funny. I always, uh, my favorite character has sort of come to be Leonard, who yeah. is this sort of the very crusty kind of uh, um, political consultant advisor to Mayor Carcetti. The political realist. Very, yeah, he's a realist. And it's just, there are these moments where, you know, with all the sort of political you know, spinning and and uh, and pirouetting that's going on, and and he just sort of sits there and shakes his head. He kind of wryly chuckles his way. Yeah, through all yeah. of these political catastrophes uh, that come their way. He does have a very sort of world weary uh, humor to him. Yes, and there's a very I can't remember if it's in the ninth or the tenth episode when some aspects of the um, the um, the the, the 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 conspiracy, if you will, that McNulty has put together, um, and how it's been intertwined with the newspaper, and how the uh, how the government has gotten all wrapped up in it. When all that kind of comes to light in the mayor's office, and everyone is just rending their garments, he's cackling, sort of. <laughs> 
saying, this is too effing good. Well, let's, uh, and he does have that great drawl when he speaks, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about episode nine, which is the, the one that uh, the folks have seen. And HBO has said that they, are, they, 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 they did not and won't be putting the finale on on demand. Yeah. Uh, so 99.9% of the population is going to have to wait till this coming Sunday to see the series finale. Uh, so Sunday on the wire... Uh, and we, and by the way, I will say that there will be some spoilers here if you haven't seen episode nine, which is the last episode. So if you if you don't want to hear what happened on Sunday night, uh, just tune tune down the radio for a while. Um, how unbelievable was that moment with Snoop and Michael uh, in in the car uh, when? Yeah. Uh, just and you know the thing is she is just so, she's not an evil character, but she's just so totally totally without morals. Just, yeah. She's just she's a void. She is completely morally empty. Well, yeah. So she sort of it respected the way that he got the jump yeah. on her and that she was taking him off to kill him. But uh, one thing led to another, and suddenly he was the guy holding the gun, and uh, she wasn't prepared. Well, and she and she went through those th- three different sort of emotional states in about ten seconds. One is where she was sort of surprised and impressed. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a little bit of anger when she was explaining why Michael was just never going to be part of Stanfield's crew because he was just not like them. Yeah, yeah. And then there was that just that really amazing. I came and I told Sarah about it. I, I told her that I felt like I got punched in the stomach. Yeah. Uh, because of that moment when she looks and she says, you know, how's my hair and he says uh, and she's such an androgynous character yeah they never ever refer to the fact that she's a girl uh, that she certainly never made to look feminine in any way and right before she gets killed she asks that thing about how's my hair and he says you look good girl and then he shoots her in the head and it was just this unbelievable and i remember just thinking to myself i had never really considered the fact that she would go out at least not like that yeah and i mean it really just i sort of pulled back from the television what happened it was amazing yeah um it was also Interesting to see Marlowe for once lose his cool uh, when he's in lockup and, uh, you know, it, he finds out that Omar had sort of been, been calling him out and that nobody told him about it. Right. And that guy is always just so cool and collected. And to see Marlowe just lose it mm-hmm. on his guys was, uh, you know, it was not something I expected. And it sort of, you know, strikes it does reveal, I think, a weakness in that character, not in the character, but, in, you know, in, in Marlowe. Yes. The idea that this sort of control he has is very tenuous, maybe. Well, he has a very limited vision, let's put it that way, which becomes even more clear as we get into the final moments of the show, which we won't even go into. But, I mean, and that that is kind of one, you know, I mean, um, it, yeah, but it's, 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 it's an interesting portrayal, and, and, and it gets into the heart of, of I think, you know, larger problems. And, and, and you see people sort of cycling, you know, going through the same cycles over and over and over again and just completely unable to break away even though they know it's going, you know, even though they have to realize it's it's, it's taking them nowhere. And, and that's just sort of ultimately what the series ends up being about, it seemed to me. Well, there was on Homicide, which uh, David Simon also did, there was a great moment where Yafet Kodo's character, Al Giardello, he said this great that the mayor was down there talking to him about it's you know it's going to be the same thing it's going to be a new day and things are going to get better and things are going to change and and Giardello just sort of says with this rueful chuckle he says nothing ever gets better nothing ever changes yeah and that really is David Simon's worldview because the wire is very much that way where just it is that that scene where Duquan and Michael are sitting there and they're talking about how there are places that aren't like Baltimore mm-hmm. and these guys who have you know who are you know in in, in the drug game and so they've got tens of thousands of dollars at their disposal at any moment. And yet they just can't figure out a way to leave Baltimore. It's just it's inconceivable to them that they could get out of the city somehow. Yeah, well, poor Duquan has got some. I mean, and here's a here's a guy who's bright and and warm and sweet and and really wants 
to find his way, you know, and there's absolutely nothing in the city, nothing in the uh, the institutions that is equipped to help him. Right. And nobody will even begin to make the first gesture. The, every door is locked. Yep. And, you know, and ultimately you see how that, you know, how that plays out. Uh, and since we are now, everybody's kind of up to episode nine of The Wire, we can talk about uh, Omar. Uh, I mean, I've got an email right here. This guy says about The Wire. He says, damn TV reflecting reality. He says, Omar was the most fascinating character on the show, and then he's taken out with no fanfare and no future references. And it is so emblematic of that show mm-hmm. that on the street he is a legend. He's this sort of Robin Hood character. Kids actually uh, p- play uh, like cops and robbers, but with Omar. There's a, <laughs> there was actually a scene. I don't know if you, ever, if you remember this, but there was actually a scene early on in, in, in The Wire. I, don't know, I think it was last year, maybe. Mm. Um where that kid, Kennard, who actually shoots him, they, there's a scene where the kids are playing Omar and, like, drug dealer, and Kennard is actually one of the kids who goes, no, 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 I get to be Omar this time. Well, And he's such a huge figure, and then, of course, his death doesn't even rate a mention in the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just, it's, it, is, it is that thing where he doesn't give the audience what they want. You know, he kind of gives you what you need, and, and just the idea that that guy gets taken out, he's such a huge character on the street but just in, in the in the in the real world, sort of in the white collar world, just doesn't even doesn't even register. Not even a blip. Nope. 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 Yeah. Well, you know, welcome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And you wonder why hardly anyone's watching that show. You know, I mean, look at the outrage when The Sopranos went out the way it went out. Yeah. Even though, as we've discussed, you know, it makes perfect sense. But let's talk for a second about a show that people do watch, which is Lost. Yes. Sarah. Which is going through one of the most spectacular. <laughs> Seasons like and 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 the most just sort of jaw-droppingly, breathtakingly, you know, imaginative um, uh, uh, seasons that I that I've ever seen on network TV. I've never seen a network show that had just that much narrative daring and just you know you. I mean, uh, usually watching something on on for me watching something on network TV. I mean, you always kind of know what you're going to get. There's very few surprises. But last week's episode on Lost was just, I still don't know what was going on. I still have to watch it again. But, I mean, it was just so, the, the sense of uh, that they've created this world that's playing out in so many different time frames. And you begin to realize that this whole idea that people are jumping back and forth through time, and some people are living through scenes repeatedly, and that it's possible for characters to kind of, you know, jump through the time-space continuum and and just sort of zip through walls, you know, previously thought to be unbreachable, and that this is all going to kind of come together and make narrative, if not scientific sense, is just, it's phenomenal. Plus, the characters are so so well thought out and, and, and just, I, I'm just, I just can't say enough. I just think anyone who hasn't been watching that show, really honestly, um, they should be beaten. No, 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 no. They shouldn't. They should be given a warm hug and boxes of DVDs. <laughs> I know. I just feel so sorry for anyone who hasn't watched it. Okay, come on, say it. It's no, a, you're and totally thing, out. I'm sorry, but it, but also, I mean, it's a show that is both at times remarkably tense and also, but within a moment, you know, hysterically funny in places. That those characters are capable, you know, of of, of making these wry kinds of dark observations about the stuff going on around them and it's just you know for the all that it has moments of violence and everything it's a very warm-hearted and a very thoughtful 
and uh, you know, in, in, in some ways, sweet-natured show. It's uh, it's interesting actually because Sarah sort of backhandedly referring to me not watching the show. It's, it's that sort of teacher thing of the I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed and sad for you. But I. I, since Sarah and I talked a lot last week about this this episode and how you know it was kind of mind bending and whatever, and I got a lot of email uh, from folks like our friend Seamus actually said this to me. I got a lot of email from folks who said, it's funny they all sort of agreed that I should get caught up and lost, but almost to a person they all said that watching it week by week was not the way to do it. Every one of them said just to wait and watch it at once. Well, I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I, I watch it week that. to week. I mean, it's, that may be a fine way if you if you can't wait. <laughs> but I mean, I you know I don't mind. I, I mean, think they I, felt like it was just such excruciating torture, the endless cliffhangers. You need to be tortured with us. <laughs> well, you know I don't know. I mean, I I don't have a problem waiting for that kind of thing. I mean, it's just not. It doesn't pain me that much. It is good. To, I mean, it really is good to see network television. People don't really appreciate, I think, how good television is right now. But the other thing is, and can I just say this uh, as a last observation about Lost? Is that I'm not a sci-fi kind of guy. Like I don't, you know, uh, I'm not into that. I never got into the X Files. You know, maybe, right. maybe, maybe I would have done if, if if I'd been a TV critic then and sort of had to get into it. You know, but but it's like it's not like I'm there. Like ooh, I just really love the time space continuum. You know, that's not it. It's not about that. It's about the characters. And it's about these kind of larger, and that's what's so groovy about the show. It's about like actually some fairly big and interesting sort of philosophical ideas that they that they kind of play out in these really fascinating characters. And it kind of is, is always sort of skipping between, you know, on this line between commenting on what's actually happening in the world today and commenting on these larger kind of Western civilization, you know, foundation ideas. But also, you know, playing it out in this hugely exciting kind of action drama, which also has elements of, of, of fantasy and sci-fi. It's just all these things kind of smoosh together, in, and, and, and it just and it works on every single level. As, has no Sarah, wonder you don't watch it. Has, slap. Uh, <laughs> has Sarah mentioned this Lost Philosophy book to you? No. Oh, well, I haven't read a lot of it, so I mean, I've only read a few pages of it, but it's Lost in Philosophy, and it's basically analyzing the characters, and um, and like people got together and wrote different essays about the different characters on the show, and like what um, each of them might represent, and um, really, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of philosophical allegories or lessons as learned via Lost. That is right up your alley. It is, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you know, I would actually. That sounds like something I would like to read. And so there's a whole series of them. There's one about Lost. There's was one it about the Blackstone. Uh, I'm sorry. What, was it the Blackstone Company or? What, I, I don't remember the name. I don't have mine here because there's actually one about. Um, there's one about Battlestar Galactica, which is a, a very thinly veiled series of of religious sort of allegories and and musings. Um, but there's a company that does sort of where they examine pop culture shows and, and not always sci-fi, but just programs for philosophical underpinnings. But the one on Lost is apparently like the best of the bunch. Mm. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll find that out. I'll, I'll toss that your way, my friend. All righty, that'd be groovy. All right, excellent. Uh, so uh, we will try to hook up with you. What I guess next Monday, uh, so we can talk about the, the Wire series finale. Oh yeah, and uh, and do a little bit of Lost discussion probably then as well. Cool. All right, thank you, brother. Hey, no sweat. All right, there you go. That's uh, Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and I feel like an ass because I just realized that's uh, Peter Carlin. There. I'm sorry, and I just realized that we had some guy in hold for Peter. I'm sorry. Hello, sir. Hey, actually, I was on hold for Peter. I was just. It's it's crazy. Peter Carlin's like 
uh, music that he comes in with. Uh, wait, what? hold on. You mean? Uh... Yes. Where is that from? Does it sound familiar? Yes, it does. I'm not going to tell you. No. I'm just going to be a jerk. Um, no, do you really now? Do you when you say it sounds familiar? Do you remember the music, or is it just like a sort of some like a tickle in the depths of your mind? It, no, no, no. I, no, I do remember the music. I I know that it was like from some network television station. It it was either from a show or it was a. Uh, Kind of a kind of a bumper. Okay, here's what here's what it was from. Actually, um, I, I won't uh, I won't taunt you with it. That was actually the music that accompanied any sort of CBS special presentation, uh, all the way through probably '85, uh, and it was done with this weird kaleidoscope of, of like the text would sort of come onto the screen and it would sort of swirl around and it would say, "And now, a CBS special presentation." And the, and the special presentation was never all that special. It was basically just that they were putting. Uh, like some movie on that had once been, you know, so like whenever they would show, whatever, they'd show the Towering Inferno or something, some crap. Uh, but it was just when they wanted to make that evening's programming seem like much more intriguing or, or exciting than it really was, they found that by calling it a special presentation and putting that music in the front of it, that did the te- that did the job. Okay. Hey, um, and is it is it uh, too soon to uh, have an observation about the uh, the man who invented uh, Dungeons and Dragons? No, go ahead. Well. You said that he was he suffered from uh, abdominal problems, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's because uh, of too much consumption of uh, Mountain Dew and uh, Doritos. Thank you. All right. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So we're we're kind of late. So we'll do a few more minutes here. Then we'll break. We'll come back. Chris Neathen is going to join us. Talk about uh, politics, pop culture, whatnot. Cool. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. My computer is acting up again. Too. It, it just totally crashed. You know, my browser crashed. My mouse is moving by we itself. We work for like a billion-dollar corporation, and our computers don't even work. You know what CBS stands for, Sarah? Can't bear spending. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. Uh, just brief observation about reality shows. We were talking about the reality show with what's-her-name, goddamn Dina Lohan. Um, is it Lohan or Lohan? How the F do you pronounce it? I think it's Lohan. Like Dick Cheney or Cheney. I wish someone would just tell me. Uh, so I have this great idea of a reality show. And I think I was talking about this with you during the break. I have a great idea for a reality show. The reality show, and I never say that, but the reality show that I would watch is this, where people are forced to date for like, what, 45 days, two months, something like that. For, for X number of months, people are forced to date, uh, they are forced to date the opposite of their type. In other words, men and women, I think, both gravitate towards a certain type. And often they date the same kind of person over and over again, like despite the fact that it always is just a big fail. It's just made I, out of I'm fail. I'm totally guilty of that. And, you know, but, but guys do the same thing. Guys will just date some, uh, you know, they just date some, some dumb skank who just, like, ruins their life. And then they do it again, over and over. Just like girls will just date some shiftless a-hole. Uh, and, then he, and then he turns out just to be a dick. And they'll be like, I'm done with that guy. Hey, look at that guy over there who's just like that guy. I have a friend who's going that uh, through that right now. Um... Yeah, broke up with her boyfriend, now seeing another guy. He's exactly, exactly the same. Exactly the same. Right. He's even worse. I'm like, what, of are, what are you doing? And, you know, but we were saying that you uh, you obviously have a type. There's a, a, a you As you said it, as this is how Sarah put it, we won't identify the guy in any way. 
But uh, this is not the guy who text messages you, right? No. Can I? Did I tell you how though? How many people? My wife. I got home. First thing out of the gate, I hi honey, let me talk to you about text. And she got all like angry at me about I've text been messaging. I getting text messages from people all afternoon about the text messages. She has a friend of hers who's dating. Laura has a friend who's out there on the single scene, and the friend hates guys who text message. Um, I know that I was going to talk about this. I will get to this reality show thing in a second, but her. This is what I got when I. This is how I know we hit a nerve with the text message thing yesterday. I go home. I walk in the front door, and Laura wasn't angry at me as such, but it was like she had this whole, she almost called the show apparently about it, and she just didn't have time. But she had this whole speech about text messaging when I walked in the door, and it's like, I just sort of got punished for being the guy who she saw. Mm. And I said, hi, honey. She's like, let me tell you a thing or two about text messaging, Mr. Man. And apparently her girlfriend uh, got a text message from some prospective suitor the other day, and I guess the text message from the guy to, to her friend was, um, so what are you up to tonight? Question mark. And I guess the, I guess her friend just was enraged by that. She thought it was like the worst because at least she got a question. I just get statements. Well, see, and, and it, she, I guess she hated the question because she either had to say, I got plans, thus like shafting herself out of time with the guy, mm-hmm. or I don't have plans making herself look like a loser. So couldn't she say, I'm not sure yet. Well, so you would think, but yeah. you know how women are, Sarah. <laughs> Yes, uh, we're just crazy. Anyway, so this is not the guy who text messaged you. This is a different guy yeah. that you ran into over the weekend. And this is how you and you showed me his picture. Uh, and this is how Sarah described the guy. She goes, "Yeah, he's like another really dumb hot guy, and he does. Uh, I don't think this uh, puts too fine a point on it if we say that he does have kind of the hipster garb, the hipster glasses, the hipster haircut, the hipster clothing." Um, and that he is, I'm not trying to knock the guy, I'm sure he's very nice. Yeah, don't identify. If not tremendously bright, apparently. Uh, but, but you, but you did know that he's just like a lot of the guys you date, right? A lot well, lately I've just, I've met a lot of really pretty dumb men. See? Like, really nice to look at, and I'm like, why isn't there something more going on? And it's like, as soon as they, now do you find as a woman that, do you find as a woman that, that good looks and uh, ignorance kind of go hand in hand Absolutely. with guys? Absolutely. I'm finding that out more and more every single day. So the, so here's the thing. I think you need to forcibly, like you, be, you need to be made. It always ends the same. I don't know what I'm, like it, it's always, it's never going to work out. It's never going to work out. <laughs> Anytime, I'm, I'm That's like. the spirit. It's the same thing, and the more we talk, the more I realize that we have absolutely nothing in common. Yeah. Because of the fact that, you know, we both think that he's really good looking. And you. <laughs> Fighting over the mirror in the morning, oh, God. and and here's the thing. We'll talk to uh, Jim Roop here in a second. Um, and here's the thing. And of course, I, I'm not speaking out of school. You said this that you are you are not a you, you are not a a, a, a promiscuous girl. Mm. We said that. We're very very clear about that. Uh, you know, some people if you're on the radio, the way people I guess maybe get a certain image or they get a certain idea. But you're you know you're very reserved in that sense. So y- you don't even so you can't even take advantage of it in that way because if you're a guy and you meet a lot of girls who are good looking and dumb, ka-ching, you know. You just, I mean, not to sound all like us about it, but I mean, whatever, you know, great time. It's I wish whatever. I could be like that, because it's like, you know. The, the pump and dump thing, or whatever <laughs> it is. You know, what? whatever it is that Tom says. If you're a guy, you can totally do that. You can, you know, everybody has a good time. She's not smart, doesn't matter. Because in, in a month, you're not going to, you'll forget it, you know, you've forgotten her name. But you, of course, uh, because that's just the way you are, because you are sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of conservative in that sense. So you can't even really take advantage of that aspect of it. No, and I sit there and I try to make it, you know, 
I, I like I see a conversation going poorly. I'm like, oh, you know, you know this one's going to be different. He's going to be totally different, and it, it always ends up the same. So I think that you need to figure out whatever the opposite of, in other words, the type of guy that you always seem to be uh, attracted to. We're kind of meeting these days. Figure out what the opposite of that is, and then seek out those guys for like two weeks and just see how it works. Okay, I can do I'm that. I'm just thinking. I think there's something there. I'm not trying to make your life into a reality show for me. It's like George Costanza. It's like do exactly opposite of your gut instincts. Exactly what the opposite (laughs) of your instincts would be. So, Uh, I mean, because I think, here's the thing. First of all, because I think I can, I think there's an interesting uh, bit in here somewhere, and I'm just going to be upfront about that. But trying to put down on paper your type and then trying to figure out the opposite. And then flip-flop it. And then try to figure out the opposite of it. And I'll do it for me, too. Okay. So, all right. Uh... Let's do this. Let's welcome Jim Roop and then uh, Chris Steele will join us in the studio from Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. On Casey of the Portland, Jim Roop in uh, L.A. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Coming from one of the ugly guys with a little brain. <laughs> Where have you been, brother? You've been gone. Dude, you're the one who hasn't called me. I've been working every day. I don't call. I don't write. I don't you know, it's hours. terrible. Um, so... I feel abandoned. Yeah. I feel a saddened. Well, you know, one of these days, one of these days, we'll take a trip somewhere. One of these days, we'll, uh, I got some vacation time coming up, and we'll, um, oh, speaking of uh, of Vegas and me going on vacation, so when are you in, you're there, when does the OJ thing start? April what? Jury selection starts the 7th. I doubt I will be there for that. All right, well, I'm not going to be there, I guess, either, because I'm going to be at the end of March, so, all right, well, whatever. Um, so they got you up pounding the pavement talking to uh, idiot celebrities? Uh, no, no, I, I I just talked to the person who represents them. <laughs> oh, to their people. The coalition, uh, the the creative coalition, it's called about the impact of celebrity on politics. And then I I really, it's really funny because I talk to people, and I bet you I talked to three dozen people because you have to talk to like twenty four to get five that sure. sound decent. Absolutely. Well, I said no, no, I don't pay attention to what the poli- what the celebrities say. I have my own mind. Yet it's obvious that's not true. <laughs> I guarantee you. That out of the 24 people or so that I, with whom I spoke, 23 of them probably said, "Really, Oprah said, okay, I'll, I'll back Obama. You know and Oprah's back in Obama." I got to tell you, Oprah is a kingmaker. There's just yeah. no getting around that. Um, Oprah has 20 million viewers, and I mean, it, it, I mean, I think it, 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 it's just, I mean, or is it even higher than that? Am I confusing her with somebody else? No, uh, it's slightly less than your listenership. I know that. <laughs> Uh, thank you. But I mean, I mean, you know, most elections come down to just a couple million votes. Yeah, well, uh, I know. So, you know, 2000 was a perfect example of how close elections can get. It's interesting to think, though, that, uh, you know, I wonder if some of the if some celebrities will realize they do more harm than good. Like if you get some Leonardo DiCaprio guy and he realizes at this point that if he gets out and runs his mouth about somebody that in some ways that sort of boomerangs on celebrities now, because there is so much. Uh, I don't know. They get, people get so much flack for being associated with, you know, liberal Hollywood and whatever. Yeah, that's what this coalition was saying. You know, when they represent and they hope that celebrities come to them before they get involved in a cause or backing a candidate, so they can get them up to speed on the issue or or on the candidate, so they're not out there flapping their gums looking like idiots. Right. That is a huge concern of this coalition, and especially in this climate where you have, uh, you know, the, such a political year. You know, she made an example of, and this is Robin Bronk, who's with the Creative Coalition. She made a real point that George Clooney, for example, is backing Obama, but he's making it a point to stay away yep. from any campaigning because he said, you know, I may hurt him, so I'd rather not take that chance and just, you know, let him do what he's going to do. I'm, I'll vote for him, but I'm not going to go out there stumping for him. Let's just say this right now. How perfect of a human being is George Clooney? I mean, really, honestly. I mean, the guy is pretty flawless. You know, he, 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 know, he has a good sense of his own persona. 
he seems to be, uh, on on the one hand, aware of the sort of clout he wields, but on the other hand, o- aware of how to manage it so he doesn't come off like an ass. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I told you my story about him back in 78, didn't I? I don't think so. Um, I was working at WKRC, uh-huh. and his dad was an anchor on the TV side across the hall. Right. He used to hang out with us on the radio side, George did. And I remember, I didn't know him very well, but I had a conversation with him because I said, I'm going to L.A. because I got a job at K-West. And he said, oh, I'm going too. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to over here. This station's in Long Beach, so I'm going to stay with Aunt Rosie, you know, meaning Rosie right. and Mary Clooney. Sure. And that's kind of like the last I really heard from him or talked to him and I've been trying to get a I've been trying to get him alone for a while now to say do you remember that conversation because I don't want to do that in front of a bunch of sure people, sure absolutely you know? but I'd love to see if he remembers that conversation well it's you know he does he seems like a guy that, what's that that Midwest upbringing absolutely heart the salt of the earth heartland values that's right all right brother are you on tomorrow yeah I'm on every day man I swear to God you haven't been on the prep sheet really really honestly it was Rachel one day, and then you. Then it was just like blank. That like for several days, it was like there was no one in Los Angeles, according to CNN. <laughs> well, Tyler's been away, so I'm guessing everybody's been slacking off. Yeah, that, that <laughs> does seem likely. All right, my friend. As always, you, you have my contact information. You can always call me. We do. Uh, we do, and I'll uh, we'll kind of I'll keep a close eye on the prep sheet, make sure I'm not missing stuff. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, let's break. We'll come back. Chris Needham from On the Vig. Tim Riley, have you more news for us? Yes. Hooray! Zuta Lures. I'm feeling really full of pep today. Got a lot of vim and vigor. Oh, how much Claritin did you take? I didn't take it. What are you saying? I'm not an addict. Uh, plus a top five coming up. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Radio program. 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Our condolences to Becca at KUFO Promotions because Brett Favre retired, uh, I guess, after, I don't know, like a thousand years or something. Anywho, uh, we got uh, more news coming up with Tim Riley. We'll do the top five here in just a skosh. Like us at three, Donna Mike at seven. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. From onthevig.com, uh, our good friend, uh, political sports and pop culture pundit, Chris Sneven. Hello. Hello. How are you? My wife calls you the Sneed, by the way. Uh, that's a very popular nickname was, for me. Uh, is it really? Yeah. I was, say, I was sending you an email last night about whatever, and my wife came up and she's, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm emailing Chris Sneed, and she goes, tell the Sneed I said hello, or words to that effect. Well, so, hello, Laura. Uh, so, uh, so here we are on Tuesday. Predictions? Go. <sighs> Boy, it's. Um, I think Texas is going to go, if not in the popular vote for Obama, certainly in the delegate vote. Uh, the the uh, what is that? What's that thing called where everyone <laughs> goes in and, and talks? I don't know. My, Dude, my mind is I blanking. <laughs> but thanks for laying out there with such clarity. Exactly. Chris Steven from OnTheVig.com. The caucus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Good night. The, uh, the caucus tonight, I think, will, will definitely go for Obama. The uh, election, though, uh, like I say, I think it's going to be pretty close. What will do it for Obama, though, is um, the way that the, the delegates break down in 
individual Senate districts within the state of, of Texas, it's actually weighted heavier toward um, black areas than it is toward uh, Hispanic areas. And so by that, I mean, historically, African-Americans have turned out uh, in greater numbers, and so they get more delegates. So instead of splitting it, say, uh, two to one, where they will, in like a Hispanic district, they may split it three to two. Or even four to one. Now he's because like and like the Latin community, Hitler's been really strong there, but he's kind of been making gains across the board. I he's, mean, he's been gaining everywhere, but um, again, it's that's not it's Hillary's strength, and God bless her for having it. But I just don't think that that's what I've been reading is that's just not going to be enough to carry her in this particular case. Well, I think uh, Lisa Desjardins had said she put together just her own cursory overview was that Hillary needed to win all the states with like 71% average. Like, that was the mean. That's what I've been reading is like between 65 and 70. And, boy, I just, I that's don't know. just not in the well, cards, at the same baby. time, you know, I'm... You know, I, I might have been a, I'm, you know I've been an, an Obama supporter for, you know, a year now, and... Um, even I found myself this morning waking up and breathing into a paper bag. Just <laughs> like, cold what sweat. in the heck? Well, because within this period, and it was the same way, I, I had the same feeling, and I finally had to calm myself down right before Iowa, the 72 hours right before that, with the polls where you've got one guy who says Hillary's up by 10, you've got another guy who says Obama's up by 3. Right. You just don't know. <clears throat> sure. And right now, um, the weather in Ohio is just dreadful. Um, they've got a big ice storm going on up in the north that... Um, Reports are, you know, that people are going to polling places, and they're, li- they're literally the only person in there. I Well, we already, I saw, I mean, this was like three hours ago, I heard the reports of voting irregularities in Ohio, which, of course, just warms my heart. Any <laughs> idea that there's going to be just chaos, or that there's just going to be, I mean, just at some point, I just hope for open fisticuffs and brawling at some of these places. Well, wait for Denver. But that, well, that was the thing with, the, yeah, that was the thing with with New Hampshire, too, right? Is that everybody thought it was going to be Hillary, or uh, Obama, Obama. Yeah. and then all every single poll turned out to be wrong. Well, so. and... The, I haven't gotten straight into the polls or gotten very deeply into the polls. I just don't think that they can accurately find everybody now, and especially with the under-40 generation. We don't have home telephones anymore. There's no way to find us. Right. And so they're saying that the sample is correct, historically speaking, but you've got – I don't know if you saw the video on on my blog a couple of weeks ago. There's this college, and I can't remember the name of the college in Texas, where the Republican Party had gerrymandered their district such that they had to travel seven miles from their campus to right. their polling place. Yeah. They walked. You, Rick, they <laughs> shut a freeway down, and there was literally 500 kids walking down the middle of a freeway from their college campus to their polling place. And, and you just... Well, in a weird way, sort how of. Do you, how do you track? How do you find those kids? It, well, W has really been. Uh, he has really been sort of to, for the Democrats what uh, what Clinton was for the Republicans, where he is just he has just engendered so much animosity. Oh, sure. And just just so much hatred that that you get people will walk seven miles over a bridge. Uh, yep. You know, so they can get to the polling place. Absolutely. So, so if Hillary, uh, so if she gets uh, effed in both uh, Texas and Ohio, does she quit? Does she stay in just because she has no reverse gear? Or does it, I mean, is the pressure, does somebody, does Al Gore at some point just call her and put her in a room and just order her to get out? I don't think anyone, Bill included, can tell her to stop. You think that she And just, she will, it's the the machine from Terminator. I mean, it. she will go until the last dollar, until the last, until the last 
moment. Until she's sitting there in a hall speaking to no one. Exactly. Standing at the front. Well, the thing I've always, that I've said about Hillary, it's kind of, I've said this thing about, um, about, uh, about Bon Jovi. Uh, I said this thing about, jo- because after uh, the big grunge smackdown, where all of the sort of hair metal guys, you know, they all got kind of screwed and their careers were all decimated. But, you know, the one guy who survived that was John Bon Jovi, him and his band. And they continued to have hit singles. They continued to have big records. He, they, they came and they sold out the Rose Garden just a couple of years back. Yep. And I said that the thing that always helped Bon Jovi's career is that you just couldn't visualize him playing a small club. You know, in other words, right. he, had just, he had just created such a persona and just such an image of himself that it was impossible to picture him playing the Roseland, which is why he continued to sell out the Rose Garden. He just created that rock star persona. And people, you know, you create the perception, it becomes the reality. Right. That's the thing about Hillary is you just can't picture her quitting. It's like my brain tries to conjure up the image of Hillary Clinton going, "Well, I'm I'm ending my campaign," and it's like a it's like a file not found sort of right. a thing. So, well, where I, does she where does she go? What does she do? God, I, I don't mean, know. Just at home. Even even if she if she loses this this nomination, what she's out in she's out of the Senate in 2012, right? right? What does she do? I have no idea. I because really, her whole existence for the last one endless campaign decade, well, for, has uh, been wrapped up. It, Bill was going to go off and do his thing, right. which he did. And, um, you know, even the guys in Davos, when they got together, all the philanthropists, Bill, Bill Gates and Buffett and all those guys were looking and saying, hey, where's Bill? Right. And then they, then the next day they said, you know, if that's if that's Bill, we don't want him back. Did you see this thing today with the, this uh, this uh, the, the political this ad where supposedly they darkened Obama's complexion? I read something about it. I haven't actually seen wow, the ad it's yet. Pretty, it's pretty blatant. I don't know where it went. Sarah, do we have that? Do you know where it was? What are you looking at? That image of Obama. Jesus, that's a little stunning. All right, so here's that photo. Well, uh, that's uh, I, what, is that Daily Code? And so it's boy, uh, I don't know. It's, it's it does look a little suspicious. There's three photos of Obama I, from the debate where he yeah. looks one way, and then that that ad, and the fa- it's just the fact that it's in a campaign ad where he suddenly has much darker skin. It is a little suspicious. She's boy, what was her closing comment last night? Pretend this is a job interview. Who would you rather hire? And yeah. I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking. Where the, are you going with that, sweetie? The uh, the other great thing that Hillary's doing is she's taken to tagging all of her all of her defenses about Obama and the Muslim issue by saying, as far as I know, right? Yeah, he's but the, he hasn't done Obama. cocaine this week, as far as I know. Exactly, he doesn't kill children, to the best of my knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Riley thieves stealing copper like a phone service. The hundreds of people last night along Southwest Dosh Road. Most of these thefts of wire and metal are perpetrated in order to finance the purchase of illegal drugs. Now, fiber optic cable is made of glass and has no resale value, and that's what they end up with most of the time. It was back in La Center in 2006 when a man broke into a substation to steal some wire and was electrocuted. He died at the scene. Then the U.S. Coast Guard plans to put two weather buoys in operation this week to restore the flow of data off Oregon's coast. The buoys were among three floating weather stations that crabbers, fishermen, and commercial shipping interest used, but it was blown away in a storm. These $300,000 buoys are anchored by concrete blocks weighing some thousands of pounds so they won't blow away in a future storm. Boy band mogul Luke Perlman has agreed to help investigators track down hundreds of millions of dollars he and his company's owned of banks and private investors. New paperwork filed with a federal court in Orlando shows that in turn for cooperating with the FBI, the bankruptcy court, and the IRS, 
Perlman will get a possible sentence reduction if he pleads guilty to four counts of conspiracy, bank fraud, and money laundering. The man's behind the pot bands in sync and the Backstreet Boys. That's it for now. All right. Well, <laughs> shall we do the top five then? Oh, yes. Uh, I know Tim's been uh, very excited for this. Let me. Uh, this. All right. There you go. All right, ladies Thank and you. gentlemen, let's five, roll the top four, five three, for Tuesday. Two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here presenting today's top five, Tim Riley. And as in often the case, we turn the top five control over to a fellow music enthusiast. In this case, Chris Sneedon, who shares with us the top five songs of the Nash Trash era. All right, so, uh, Chris, before we uh, sneeze, before we proceed, would you like to uh, clarify for the people what the Nash Trash era is? Nash Trash is an era from about uh, the late 60s up until the early 80s, uh, personified by a lot of overproduction, uh, wide lapels. It was... It was it really was something else. It was a bland, almost uh, adult contemporary type of country. Exactly. But I, it was my. It was a soundtrack to my childhood. I explained it to Sarah as being a lot of Elvira. Really, that's what it was. Elvira and a lot of Bellamy Brothers. All right, ladies. Hear Elvira on this list? Well, we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five songs from the Nash Trash era in the assessment of Chris Stephen. Honorable mention goes to Kenny Rogers and Scarlet Fever. This is the worst song. And this is, I mean. It's a terrible song, and just... The lucky star. The lucky star. I haven't heard this song. Heard literally haven't heard this song in years. And watch young Scarlet's body come alive. Let her so creepy. It's, a, it's about an underage stripper. It's, it is, right? Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say. It, it is about a, a stripper of... They, rumor was she was 16, but uh, something, something, something 18, I swear to God. And this song is the longest way to go to a bad pun. <laughs> I mean, it's one big... The song is called Scarlet Fever, right? And it's all about him lusting after some... Yeah, some 16-year-old stripper named Scarlet. And he's got Scarlet Fever. And by the way, if you're a big fan of Scarlet... The stripper, and now you've got Scarlet Fever. That does sound a lot like something else. Like, you know, syphilis. Wait, here we go. Wow. Yeah. Buy you a drink, sailor? <laughs> I've never been the same. Here we go. On the chain. Jesus. Now I get Oh, baby. Every time I see Really? Jesus. Tim, Tim's oh. expression says it all. I feel dirty for listening. Bring you back your memories, Tim? Jesus. Let's move on. Number five, Conway Twitty in a slow hand. Ugh. Oh. Yeah. Wow, I hate this song. Imagine just some drunken lug whispering this in your ear. My brother and I, when we were like nine and seven, didn't understand what the slow hand really meant, and so we pretended like we had slow hands. <laughs> like, like you had 
polio or something? Something. Like, uh, you want to slow him. <laughs> well, I mean, Can you please we didn't understand. Well, we were, please do the, de- demonstrate the slow hand again. <laughs> sort of like a Bella Lugosi sort of yeah. a thing, yeah. <laughs> Karloff, <laughs> sidekick. Jesus. This, lo- this song, for being such a, wait for it. You want a man with the slow hand. Oh, yeah. And it does have a sort of an interesting double entendre. It has that line about, you don't want a man that's just come and go. You want somebody who wow. I think it's right here. Not come and go in a heated rush. That's a yeah. little interesting. A little edgy. All right, these well, are the... Well, it was 1978. Tim, did you have to play any of these songs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there weeping into your coffee. <laughs> Number four is Eddie Rabbit and Step by Step. Ugh. I a, hate this song too. I hate a similar a similar sentiment though. It was uh, what is this like an A to B to C to third base? That's true. This is this is this is another one of those uh, ways to seduce your lady friends. Right. Songs. When she walks by, oh. she don't know what to say. You're gonna make a move. You better make it now. Wow. It's like 1.50 a.m. <laughs> Time to go. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Second step. Tell her she's the one that you've been dreaming of. Why do I know these songs? Take her in your arms and never let her go. Don't you know? Doesn't this sound like a uh, like a TV theme song? Yeah. It, does, it sounds like the theme song to Step by Step. It does, actually. Okay, you're right. No, you totally nailed it. All right, kind of the top five songs of the Nash Trash era. Now we're three, the Oak Ridge Boys. I wish you could have turned my head. I, I hate this song. This song is all chorus. They're, it doesn't even really seem like they're lyrics to this. It's just one chorus over and over. And then what's his name? The highest, the highest singing guy screaming over the whole thing. <laughs> and with the Oak Ridge Boys band, that had that one guy that just had the beard, he had the, the beard floor. down to his his belly button. He had yeah. the, the Rip Van Winkle, and then he went away because he found the baby Jesus there for a couple of years, and now he's back. Yes, I have seen the Oak Ridge Boys live like five times. Whenever people talk about finding Jesus, I always picture them bringing him into a police station, like sort of shuffling along with Kleenex boxes on his feet. I sure. found this guy downtown. I, I don't know. It's a... I am seeing the Oak Ridge Boys show. Did you? Oh, please tell me. Okay, <laughs> now you have to tell us all about it. When? When and where? The Oxnard Strawberry Festival. The Oxnard Strawberry Festival. Please tell me there was a Ms. Oxnard Strawberry. There may have been. Okay, you emceed. Now, what did that consist of? What did that entail? Well, they they gave me a... <laughs> I knew this top five would trigger memories. There, there were just tons of people, thousands of people sitting in the middle of a strawberry field out to see the Oak Ridge Boys. Jesus, God. Was there an opening act? Do you remember? Oh, or were they were they the headliner? Of course. When was they this? Their headli- oh, 1991, 92. Oh, baby. Yeah. Jesus. So this was like right in their wheelhouse. This was in their... This was, they were the kings of the mountain. Yeah. God damn. Ugh, this song sucks. That's why it's part of the top five. Wait, it gets worse. Do they take it up a step? Do they kick it up a key? Oh, no, I was talking about the list. Oh, this next song is... Okay, let me just tell you before we play this... Wait. They they, they do go up, though. 
Okay, this next song, before we play it, mm. I couldn't find the song anywhere except on YouTube, and here's what it was. This next song I found on a YouTube video where someone had taken the song and set it to endless scenes of general hospital romances. And so actually at one point, like in a solo, you're going to hear the song. You're going to hear, and it was all like Rick and Ashley. Wow. And you're going to hear, you're going to hear the song fade down and you're going to hear a lot of like, we can't go on meeting like this, but I love you so, but no, but let's have sex in a closet or whatever. Like you're going to hear that because it's, like, during the breakdown, you hear the general hospital dialogue in the background. So if it sounds weird, that's why. Yeah, we've got that to look forward Tim to. Tim Riley. Number two, Terry Gibbs and Somebody's Knocking. Yes. Terry Gibbs, by the way, tell me she doesn't sing like a man. She has a man's voice. Somebody what I never understood about this song. Lord is the devil when you look at him. Terry Gibbs is blind. <laughs> That's true. She is blind and she since birth. Goes through and describes what the devil in blue jeans looks like. Came to her in a dream. Even at the age of nine or ten, I didn't understand. I understood the rest of it, but I didn't understand that. Doesn't this sound like a man? She was the female Ronnie Millsap. I was gonna. Say, it sounds like. Kind of sounds like Brad Paisley a little bit, except that, you know, allegedly a woman. <laughs> I don't want to go wrong. Oh, no. Now we have to wait for the General Hospital dialogue. This was a big hit, too. This was like number four. Use this for like the FISA theme. <laughs> you must have tapped my telephone line. That's that trademark sound. That now, 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 That's man. That's that whole era to a T. Jesus, we're coming up on it here. Why don't we try one more time? Just to make sure. There you go. Just to make sure. Just to make sure. Make sure about what? I think they're gonna hump it out on a gurney, like at the hospital. We should try it one more time just yeah. to make sure. Just to make sure everything still works, honey. <laughs> Counting down the top five songs for the Nash Trash Era. Oh, boy. Number one, Jesse Coulter and My Name's Not Lisa. What a, thanks for ending on a big buzzkill, by the way. Thank God you. Damn. Well, I was going to end with Somebody's Knocking, but then I remembered that My Name is Lisa is, uh, or My Name's Not Lisa, My Name is Julie, is, uh, boy, that's just bad. It's, it's I mean, it was. this was, again, this was his number one hit. This is just, it, A, it's a bad song. B, it's really depressing. Because the whole thing is how she's with a guy who's, whose woman left him. And, and yet he... Talking he, in his sleep. And he talks in his sleep and constantly talks about the other woman. And so she's, you know... I'm not Lisa. Oh, there you go. My name is so on this rather despondent wow. note... Way to end the list, Chris. Way. Thank you. Way to end it on a, on a well, high. Well, it, it was all in my head, and I couldn't actually listen to the song. Back it after this. Better. Chris Sneathan around the corner. More from a Himalikas with three Donamike at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Trey Arrow's just a poor man's Juliana Butterfly. Do you remember her? I do not. Juliana Butterfly, uh, a year before Trey Arrow was pooping in a box, she did that thing bucket. of... Bucket. She lived in a tree. Maybe it was before your time. I, she, I was out of town during that She period. lived in a tree to keep it from being cut down. It was like they were going to log some tree. Good for her. And she, well, she so she stayed up there for a year, and then she felt like she made her point, and she left, and they cut it down the next day. <laughs> Wasn't like, she the I one? I proved my point. As the guys are, like, revving up the chainsaws. Wasn't she the one they cut out of the tree? Maybe. They I cut so. somebody out of a tree at one point. That, boy, that was Get her down times. with a pellet gun. That's exactly. Uh... 
Don't get your Julia Butterfly caught in a tree. Uh, all right. Uh, wow. Here with Chris Sneathan from OnTheVig.com. All right, brother, lay it out. Don't don't hem, don't haw. Don't try to split the difference. Predictions for today. Obama, Clinton. Go. Texas, uh, Vermont to Obama. Vermont by a lot. Texas by uh, the skin of his teeth. But the, the caucus thing will really come through for him. Uh, Ohio, probably Hillary by... Five or six, but and, not by seventy-one or whatever supposed whatever she needs. And that'll be enough for her to stay in. Absolutely. I mean, it'll be one. enough. It'll be an excuse for her to stay in. Yeah. It won't be enough for her to reasonably expect to be any closer to the nomination when she goes to bed at three o five a.m. making sure that the phone hasn't rung yet. <laughs> After making sure that the phone is forwarded to voicemail or the answering <laughs> service. The best part is how that phone rings through the entire commercial. Like, no one's answering it. Not Hillary, not Obama. Oh, no no one's picking it up. When the phone rings at 3 a.m., I want someone who will answer it, period. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, on the vig.com, uh, that is your uh, site, a home for punditry and thoughts. Thank you. Real briefly, uh, how is it possible that Springsteen is not sold out? Because he's coming to town, but there's still tickets. I don't even know how that's possible. There are not uh, any uh, general admission seats left. I can tell you that for a fact. Is that because true? Because I keep looking for them. Okay, I was going to say, because I feel almost like at this I will point... be right down in front. Thank I feel you. at this point like I almost shouldn't see him because I feel like I've missed seeing him back in the day, so I almost you don't want to see him now. No. Go, 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 go. All right. Go. If, if you've if you not seen him? No. Go. Never. Go. Ever. Oh, my gosh. It will change your life. All right. So there you go. From uh, Chris Neathan's mouth to your ear, ladies thank and gentlemen. You. Chris Neathan from OnTheVig.com. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Roop, as well as Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, let's see. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Jen Lane from Barfly Magazine, and Susan Reynolds from CBS Radio Portland Marketing. Uh, as always, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom, Tim Riley and the phones, Richie Bristol. Uh, Dave's in as the gatekeeper. Uh, and, of course, a webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. See you tomorrow. Like us at 3. Donna Mike at 7. I regret nothing. I'm huge. Point number 6. Bye. That's why we was like, stop. Stop. You're spraying the babies. You're spraying the babies.